This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, along with Terry and Jeff. The gang's here. Happy Monday. You're at it again, folks, but uh, if you look at it this way, you're about two weeks away from Christmas, right? So it's just all it's all downhill. Or as Terry has been gauging, we're one week away from Star Wars? Less than that. Yeah. That's good for those people, too. Thursday evening, Friday morning. I love how you pretend like you're not at all interested and in that you're not going to go see it, even though I know you're seeing it Friday. Well, but I wouldn't go pay for the ticket, like, day one. Wrong. Actually, I wouldn't. Wrong. Actually, I didn't pay for a ticket. Oh. You're wrong. But I got a free ticket hmm. and and a plus one, and I'm going. Cause... I'm going Friday and Saturday, both wow. both for free. Really? Yeah. You'll see it twice. Mm-hmm. Well, for free, yeah. Same movie. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in about two years, three years, it'll be free. You can watch as much as you want. I'm just saying. A lot to talk about today. Roy Moore, uh, big elections tomorrow. Apparently he's been off the radar for about yeah. a week. He hasn't made any public appearances since uh, Bannon called out Mitt Romney. Which is strange because this you'd think of all the time you'd want to be, you know, pushing it. It's right now. Let's get, you know. He's refused to debate his, his opponent. Yeah, probably he's, smart. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's not making public appearances. Apparently, he'll make a public appearance tonight. Okay, at good. a rally. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's just kind of laying low. Well, by tonight, I mean it's it's pretty much over by tonight, right? But where did he go? Hearts and minds, Jeff. Hearts and minds. Okay. Where 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 did he go this last week? Um, Very probably just hanging hang out at home. What? Just uh, keeping a low prof- profile. I mean the. The Crown's on Netflix, and so maybe he's just watching maybe The Crown. That's a good point. The Crown did come out. so yeah. You started watching it, didn't I you? I haven't. No. <gasps> I'm two episodes in. Come on. We had wow. our grandchild. Terry, and... of the three of us, is well, ahead of us? My wife's wanted to watch okay. it. Yeah, okay. I wanted to watch comic book wanna... movies, but she didn't want to. So, <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so let me get this straight. Roy Moore's about to – his, his election is tomorrow, but he hasn't been running for the last week. He's running, but he isn't actively campaigning. I know. That's nuts. There's other people out there. Maybe it says he doesn't want it. No, he does. Well, where is he? I just think he has advisors that are thinking that he doesn't need to actually get out there and make things possibly worse by just being in front of cameras. (laughs) That's it. So he's, yeah, he's stalling. Yeah. Yeah, that's a a way to put it. Maybe that's a tactic I should use use on the show. Like maybe... The show might be a little better if I just kind of, you know, disappeared for a little while. Well, we've tried that. Didn't help. Hmm. So. Hey, that's a compliment. That was a compliment no, to that me. that was a total compliment. Yeah, don't try to stall. It, 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 I mean, it, it doesn't help. We need more help than that. And you'll see all kinds of numbers that come out about yeah. Alabama. The problem is nobody really knows. Nobody knows. Because you have this element of... There are people who will vote Republican regardless. Then you have this element of people who are Republican but may not vote yeah. for more but don't necessarily want to vote for a Democrat, so they just may stay home. Well, how about Richard Shelby? 
the the other senator from the great state of Alabama said he could never vo- vote for the Republican Roy Moore. Right. So he had to write in a Republican candidate. A distinguished Alabama Republican. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's a big statement. Your fellow senator from the GOP couldn't bring him in. Couldn't do it. Can I take back what I said about this room feeling comfortable? Now yeah. I'm starting to feel the heat. For the listeners, we haven't mentioned it yet, but we today are uh, coming <gasps> to you live from a sweat lodge. Yes. Apparently. It's medicinal. It's We are in a very warm room. We're trying to eradicate the toxins and free radicals from our systems. If there was somehow we could keep one arm in here and stick one arm outside, yeah. everything would balance, it balance right. itself out. Like you, know? you do with your great. covers. One leg out, one leg in. It's a built-in thermostat. It's the Just great, keep your leg it's out. It's a great balancing act of all, of all sleepers in the winter. So – um, okay, that's going on. Good to know. That's still happening. So just tonight, Steve Bannon will be there again for Roy Moore. And then Senator uh, Cory Booker from New Jersey, I believe, yeah. he'll be down there to, for Doug Jones. One of the big questions that Doug Jones has been bringing up is, is this – what what image do you want for Alabama? What is mm. – what? who are we really? Are we really Roy Moore or are we really Doug Jones? And it might honestly be we're neither of them, right? I mean, because some people may not like what Roy Moore did, but they like some of his values. And some people may not like what Doug Jones may do, but they may not, but they may not like other parts of his. But he's not Roy Moore. But he's not Roy Moore. So, (laughs) and yet one of them will represent Alabama. Alabama's got a very big decision, and you know what, Alabama, we love you either way because we just love you. A New York Times columnist went down and talked to a bunch of people. Yeah, how'd that go? And uh, he came back with this impression that many people in Alabama understand. They have a huge choice. And if they choose Roy Moore, they are going to be a Saturday Night Live skit. That's a great point. Until Mm -hmm. he's out of the Senate. And they don't want to be that anymore. Well, they've already had that. Alabama is not the stereotype that people try to, you know, the the slow draw one, two. They're not Jeff Sessions. Yeah. And, And they... They want to get away from that. They want to be a place where, you know, you bring in big companies and mm-hmm. people want to come there. Yeah. We're advancing in technology. Yeah. And instead, you get this sort of backwater sort of stereotype. Well, tomorrow and you get to decide. This sort of cements that for the I've nation. Just, so. I've got a question about that. So with Donald Trump, you got to believe Saturday Night Live was really hoping that he would be, become the president, right? Oh, yeah. But with somebody like Roy Moore, where you're representing a state and just at, like you said – there are all these incorrect stereotypes that are being presented on Saturday Night Live. Uh, is that if, – if he wins and they go with that, are they going to tick off an entire state but also other viewers? Sure, but they don't watch Saturday Night Live, so it doesn't matter. Oh, there you go. They're just going to have someone that's older with a cowboy hat and a vest and a little gun and he'll just run around on set. and Run around the mall kind of a, on set. A funny joke for – Months to come. Yeah. This is, it's, again. Especially if it gets into some sort of hearing where they're trying to do an ethics panel uh, on him and it just keeps stays on the news. So Let's not. Uh, and then Jeff Sessions will counsel him some more as he's done in the past. Seems like great. the last thing that we need are more hearings. Of what, was, what was that? That's what Congress does. Hmm? Yeah. Congress holds meetings to keep themselves in line. 
Uh, anyway, let's get to um, other difficult news and all the rest of the headlines with Terry. What else should we be paying attention to, Terry? A bomb exploded in one of Manhattan's busiest transit terminals this morning, authorities said. Police officers and fire trucks swamped the uh, Port Authority bus terminal near Times Square following a blast at 7.30 Eastern this morning. One person said to be in custody, reportedly injured by the blast. The NYPD bomb squad's on the scene. Subway lines, the bus terminal, and surrounding blocks were evacuated. President Trump has been briefed on the explosion in the White, uh, the White House has said the bus terminal is the nation's largest and handles about 230,000 passengers every weekday, according to the Port wow. Authority. So that's ongoing as they Crazy. try to figure out what happened there. Residents in several areas of Santa Barbara County were ordered out Sunday as a massive fire tearing through Southern California since last week grew out of control. Fire officials on Sunday warned that the flames could sweep through the coastal towns of... Montecito, and I don't know how they say that. How's that other one? Carpen? What's that one, Carpenteria. Matt? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, so-called, Tom, that's called the Thomas Fire. You'll hear about that. It's about the size of uh, Washington, D.C. right now. Really? Ooh, really big. Almost 200,000 acres. They're saying the blaze erupted Monday night north, or Monday north of Santa Paula and quickly spread the largest of several wildfires wreaking havoc in the area. It was only 15% contained as of Sunday morning. More than 80,000 residents in Santa Barbara have been left without power as a result of the fire, which has also forced 88,000 people to flee their homes. Wow. At least one person has been confirmed dead in Ventura County as a result of the blaze that I think I read that was because of a car accident because they were trying to get out. That's the first fatality, isn't it, so far? Yeah, there's there's been one. Wow. This has been largely, they've been able to move people out quickly enough that they've gotten people out of harm's way. Speaking of, there's a lilac fire down by uh, northern San Diego. And, That's a different uh, name, but they're not really burning lilacs. No, lilacs? but it's it's the name of a canyon or something. My uh-huh. aunt and uncle lived down there, and they were evacuated over the weekend. Oh, my goodness. But they returned home. But their cars are stocked, ready to go, just in case they get a phone oh, call. Oh, sure. Bail. So, yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens. My mom was talking to him last night. Uh, U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations Nikki Haley maintained on CNN's State of the Union Sunday that President Trump's decision to formally recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel this past week will not hinder the Israel-Palestine peace process. Wow, really? When it comes to those that are upset, we knew that was going to happen, but courage does cause that. When you make a decision, you're going to have some that see it negatively, and you're going to have some who see it positively, she told the host. But I strongly believe this is going to move the ball forward for the peace process. How? Trump's announcement caused outrage among religious leaders and Arab League and nations, as well as protests and Muslims worldwide, some of them violent. Uh, the Lebanese-American embassy has been under oh, wow. siege for a while, just people out front protesting, yeah. going nuts. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, but the, their idea was this is a stumbling block. Let's just take it off the table, and now we can move forward. It's Except, symbolic more yeah. than it is any tangible. And some people feel like most of the Arab nations don't really care about this. This right. really isn't a huge issue. Maybe they don't care as much as they've let on in the past about the Palestinians. Yeah. But so far they've, I mean, there's a, the, the, what is it, the Arab uh, League nations have come out and asked the UN to denounce this announcement from yeah. President Trump. So. We'll see where it goes. Well, the Pope was against it, and a lot of other countries, France, I mean, most of Europe. They're just saying it doesn't help the process. No, we need, yeah. But, I mean, you know, there is a rule, do something different. This is different.
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this story came out last week. Pretty funny. Uh, for a brief shining moment in November, the best restaurant in London, as rated by TripAdvisor, featured on uh, it featured TV dinners, live chickens, and a DJ playing kitchen noises in lieu of actual an actual wow. kitchen. Really? Yeah. So just TV dinners. Some guys putting them in the microwave and yeah. So Uba Butler. O O B A H is his first name. So Uba Butler used to be a he used to be a paid by restaurants to leave good reviews on TripAdvisor without actually visiting the restaurants or eating their food. That's what he did. Okay. That got Butler to wondering if the reviews were fake. So could the restaurant also be fake? One day, sitting in the shed I live in, I had a revelation. With the current climate of misinformation and society's willingness to believe absolutely anything made up online, maybe a fake restaurant is possible. Right, so Butler wrote this up in uh, on Vice dot com for uh, he just wanted to see if he could game TripAdvisor, and uh, he took his his scheme. He called it the Shed at Dolwich. Dolwich is the street he lives on, and there's a shed in the backyard. So the Shed, the Shed, that sounds like a hip restaurant name. Right. So he was involved in overly general address for appointment only dining. So you couldn't come (laughs) to the you couldn't come to the location. It was just sort of a neighborhood. (laughs) So he kept it very general. The website with pics of fancy food made from shaving cream and toilet bowl cleanser. So those little discs you can talk. Yeah, yeah. He put that down and then put some shaving cream and a little food coloring and made it look like some fish product or something in the photos. Oh, wow. And there was an egg dish that he had to prop the egg up. So he put it on like the heel of his foot. He put his <laughs> foot in the plate, put the egg on his heel and zoomed in so the egg looked all presented nice. And it was, wow. The pictures are really funny the way he did it. So he goes on. He had a, an actual celebrity, some guy he knew that's of some note that did some fake review for him. Yeah. And he goes, all of a sudden the reviews started rolling and he had fake reviews courtesy of friends and acquaintances <laughs> on that. Those reviews and the mystery surrounding the shed were enough to beat out more than 18,000 real London restaurants on TripAdvisor. This is Holy over in London. Cow. A restaurant that doesn't exist is currently highest ranked in one of the world's biggest cities on perhaps the internet's most trusted review site, Butler Marvels. But the shed's success came with unforeseen side effect. Actual reservation requests. Hundreds of them. <laughs> Butler set up a phone number just to see if people would call. Uh, this was in November. He Over one weekend, he received 116 phone messages requesting a chance to eat at this exclusive Holy restaurant. Cow. He set up some patio furniture in his backyard. He went shopping, created a menu that featured minestrone soup for starter. The mains were a choice of truffle mac and cheese or once-in-a-lifetime veggie lasagna. Both were TV dinners they got at the grocery store. For dessert, the shed served chocolate sundaes. And he put them out. He had two tables. One was down on the ground. One was actually on top of the shed. He had a guy at a DJ mixing type music station, and it was just kitchen music. It was like pots and pans and stuff. He he went to a local uh, guy that had chickens and had him just bring out chickens, let them run around the yard, and then he like would tell the people when they came in, he goes, "You get to pick your chicken." <laughs> <laughs> so he's just trying to make it as absurd as possible, and he got positive reviews. Wow! So Not it, enough. I mean, he fell off the <laughs> rankings, but he basically took TripAdvisor, faked an entire restaurant, and because people just can't handle, right. they, they need exclusivity. The shed became a thing. Wow! The shed. Have you tried that new toilet bowl cleanser dessert? It's oh, delicious. I can't get enough of it. Then their teeth are blue after. So he put out all these Instagram pics of the final. Uh, dish the way it looked, yeah. and then all the products he put on it, which is like shaving cream and toilet bowl. Unbelievable! <laughs> um, I guess that's a great segue into talking about the Golden Globes. <laughs> is it? 
don't you think? Smooth. Yeah. I guess. I mean, that's a major acting, lots of setup, lots of fakery, some incredible spe- incredible special effects, a okay. wonderful script. There you go. Now that you mention it that way, I guess that the makes Golden sense. The Golden Globes. You didn't even know the Golden Globe nominations were coming out, did you? Yeah, no. I was I was really busy. All right. I'm going to give you a chance to, to guess at least one film in each of these categories. Okay. Okay? So first we've got the big one. The Best Motion Picture Drama. Now, just so you know, the Golden Globes, uh, they have a drama category and a comedy or musical category. So do we. We have the same thing on our show. Whereas the Oscars just does Best Picture. So Best Picture Drama. Can you guess? You're looking up the answers. Give me some example. uh, Drama? Drama. Wonder. Don't look. Uh, No. Oh, well. Not on there. Matt, you get one guess. Uh, This is 2017. Drama. Uh, Dunkirk. That is on there. Very good. Dunkirk. Haven't even seen it. The Post, which isn't even out yet, is on there. The Shape of Water just came out. And uh, a couple of others you probably never heard of. That's the hard (laughs) part is they're naming movies that have yet to be released. That's the way it always goes, I understand, but still, Um, it sounds like it's fake. It should be like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. These are great movies. Yeah, but that's on Netflix, and that's enough. Just saying. saying. Uh, Best Picture, Musical, or Comedy? You each get one guess. Oh, La La Land. Mm, last last year. year. Is there another? But it did win last year. Is there another musical this year? No, comedy or musical. And there is a musical musical coming out. Is there a at comedy? Christmas. What's that NASCAR one with Daniel Craig? That was not on there, oh. unfortunately. I love oh, that Oh, yeah, one. that was a good one. Um, I don't know. Come on. Uh, okay. One that just came out with James Franco, the disaster artist. Hmm. Yeah. And a Damn. musical with Hugh Jackman, The Greatest Showman, yeah. well, about Barnum. Yeah. Again, that yeah. has yet to come out yet. Strike two. And, of course, Get Out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is a comedy, I guess. Really? Um, well, it's sort of a... That's not a comedy. It's a horror comedy. It's the way, it's the way it's presented. It's, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's funny a, and it's scary. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think we, since this is kind of an express version of the Golden Globes noms, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll do actress and actor, and you each get one guess. Uh, Meryl Streep. For what? I mean, that's that's the easiest. That's I always the easiest go with Meryl Streep. <laughs> She's nominated for something. <laughs> the Rock. He's in like nine movies. Yeah, um, the Rock. Matt <laughs> is right. Terry is not right. Oh, no <laughs> so way. Meryl Streep is on there. Yeah. For Again, what movie? for a movie that's not really out yet. The Post. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. She looks great in the trailer. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And it's you know what? It's totally Meryl. She's amazing. But questionable on that one, though. The world premiere... Is Friday. Yeah. I don't think it's going to re- be released wide here in the U.S. till next week, but they're releasing, they're, the, their premiere yeah. is Star Wars weekend. What are you doing? Well. No one's going to know you're alive. Star Wars is out. Maybe. Do it next week. Yeah. Let me give you one more. Yeah. This one's exciting because this person uh, has Kevin Spacey to thank if he wins this, this award. Really? Yes. Does that give you a hint? This is for Best Supporting Actor. Um, Roy Moore? <laughs> I don't know. No. I, uh, I don't know. If, if this man wins, if Christopher Plummer wins, Christopher Plummer he will be thanking Kevin Spacey of, because yeah. he took Kevin Spacey's place in the film All the Money in the World, where he plays Getty. Wow. John Getty? No, that's John Gotti. There's uh, also a movie coming out about well, him. Well, maybe. Getty? Maybe. Like the Getty Museum? 
No, the Getty, the richest, the rich guy. Getty. Oh, the Gettysburg Address. Mm, no, no, no. Let's see, we'll go more in depth later. But, oh, wow, uh, Matt kind of cheated because he just went for the safe answers in every category. Because it's so obscure, yeah. that means it's exclusive there and worthy of award. That's how this works. <laughs> Honestly, as I look down this list, I don't know that I've seen and or heard of any of these. Come on, you saw Dunkirk? Nope, didn't. What? Mm-mm. Are you kidding me? Nope, just guessed it. Didn't see it. Wow. Yeah. Sinner. But I'm watching Longmire. Yeah, Longmire's uh, good. <laughs> I guess they kind of sound the same. Yeah, they're, I mean. A little different. They but... both have two syllables in them. Mm-hmm. Nope. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen, no, I haven't seen any of these. Nope. Yeah, they're mostly nope. R-rated. Nope, 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 So nope, I'm going to nope. go ahead and predict a low-rated Golden Globes. Yeah. Who's the host? You know, I'm not sure. I doubt it's Ricky Gervais who typically does it. But will it matter? Probably not. No. But I mean, they usually have a bigger audience when there's more movies that are more mainstream, which yeah. obviously would be the case. I'm not kidding. There are like two PG-13 movies on this list. There Everything is a movie is called The Sinner. Mm. Actually, that's a TV show. Oh. With Jessica uh, Beale and Bill Pullman. Mm. Everybody loves Bill Pullman. A lot of information we didn't even need to know. Right. Only here on the Matt Townsend Show. Yeah. Thanks to Jeff, by the way, because I wouldn't have known any of that information. That's what it takes. A team, folks. Hey, up next, Joe uh, Cannon will be joining us. Joe's our Washington insider, and we just like to pick his brain when it comes to all this crazy political chaos that's going on. Straight ahead, this is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, it's Monday, and that means it's time to bring on our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, and just pick his brain, get all the the insight we can out of it. And nothing's more difficult, I think, than trying to um, make sense of uh, the Trump administration and really just the chaos that surrounds it. Um, but boy, it, it never ends. Every week, another another list of questions for Joe. Joe, um, by the way has a, just a great background in politics also as an editor of a and, and an editor of a paper um, plus the fact right now he is um, doing everything he can to lower the fuel costs for us here in the United States as the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation Joe Cannon welcome to the show my friend how are you Good Matt how are you doing I'm doing great um we, boy, it's so hard to know even where to begin with you, Joe, because uh, a lot has gone on. In fact, I know uh, you are always worried about what's going on in Israel and with uh, the Israel-U.S. Uh, relations. Talk to me about what you think about President Trump's big uh, decision to move the, the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Well, as is often the case, as you kind of sort of pointed out in your intro, um, with President Trump, there's sometimes more and sometimes less than meets the eye. And I think that's also true with uh, Jerusalem. There's sort of more to it than meets the eye, but maybe less. So he recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, the, uh, quote, undivided capital of Israel, which is kind of an important 
team uh, because this, you know that's the the Israeli claim that the entirety of Jerusalem, East Bank, West Bank, everything is is the capital, and of course this created a huge uproar. Although I think less of an uproar than a lot of people thought, it, it created an immediate uproar in among the Palestinians, and uh, there was condemnation from lots of people, but. Um, it sort of almost seems like it's dying down now. Yeah. So the question is, what did he really say? Did he? He said, "I'm going to move the cat or the embassy, U.S. embassy, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, but no timetable." So at one level, he made a big announcement. He put the U.S. on record as being in favor of supporting Jerusalem as the capital, but but very short on the specifics. So. Then the whole, you know, this is this is a tough thing because every president um, since Ronald Reagan has talked about, maybe even Jerry Ford right. talked about uh, moving the embassy and recognizing uh, Jerusalem, but nobody ever did it. And this is totally bipartisan. And even in the mid '90s, there was a, a statute passed by Congress, and I think near unanimously, totally bipartisan in any case, uh, supporting the move. So. Everybody, Republicans and Democrats are on record for wanting it. So the only issue is some people can't bring themselves to give Trump credit for it, mm. even though they had already supported it. So anyway, there's there's a lot of confusion. I think the interesting thing here that's, that's sort of maybe a little more behind the scenes is people who, who oppose Trump say, look, he's just doing this as a sop to his evangelical base, which is also partly true, maybe a lot true. But he's also doing it for conservative uh, Jews in America who support the same thing. The real question is, what effect, if any, does this have on the peace process? Right. For some people, some people would say so-called peace process, since there hasn't been much of a process, even though people have been talking about this for for years. But there, the, certainly, a number of the conservative pundits, Daniel Pipes, John Bolton. Elliot Abrams, others believe this actually would have a positive effect on the peace process by signaling to the Palestinians, look, this is one thing that's not negotiable. You just need to get adjusted to it. Trump's even in, a, even in, even in the recognition said, okay, I'm for a two-state solution. So I'm going to give you what you want if you really want it. But um, I'm the new sheriff in town, and I'm just saying – Jerusalem is off the table. That's not going to be negotiable. Mm. Uh, and some people think that will help the peace process. The Palestinians, of course, said it won't help the peace process, but I don't know. Things haven't been moving much anyway. Right. So Maybe that theory that, you know, you got to do something different to get something different, maybe that's going to play out here. So really what he's saying, though, is uh, he's for a two-state solution, but Jerusalem is a one-state city. <laughs> Yeah, but Jerusalem is going to be in one of those states. Yeah, right? and and it, and he's already tipped the hat to which state, right? So, it's right, right. It, so, wow, it, it really is. It's interesting though, because every every president, like you're saying, maybe even since Ford has been talking about it, he he did it, um, and apparently, you know, ticks a lot of people off, but. If underneath it all, there's a there are there really then a lot of even Democrats that are saying, well, yeah, okay, it's about time. Some Democrats are saying that. Some Democrats are saying, 
good idea, but it's not about time. It's uh, not the right time. Yeah, but, bad timing. Uh, so so they're, they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think one thing that's undergirding, you've got a, uh, a lot of smart people thinking about the Middle East problem in, 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 the, in Trump land. But they're not the traditional, typical, long-term, Mideast uh, experts. And one thing that some people think this could be, and, and actually I think this, is, look, uh, none, nothing has worked. Let's shake the table up a little bit here. Let's, let's go in and, and have kind of a non-traditional approach and say, look, we, we really do want to fix this. And we're going to put some new parameters in here and not just go with the traditional, everybody's locked into this, so we'll make a millimeter movement here and a millimeter movement there. And maybe eventually there will be peace. I think he is trying, he, Trump, is trying to shake things up quite a bit. And this uh, uh, scores a lot of points uh, from a campaign promise to his constituents to maybe even a uh, a radical shock to the peace process itself. Hmm. Well, I mean— Hey, I mean, it's it is it's something and it is news. Even Nikki Haley says uh, it's not going to to make that big of a difference um, at all. By the way, Nikki Haley, I just got to throw this in. Um, she also did you see her comment about we, we should listen to those Trump accusers, those women that did accuse him of of uh, harassment or abuse. Did you hear that? I did hear that, and I've just got to say, Nikki Haley is one of the stars of this new administration. Yeah, I think. that's bold. She's taking uh, the, and she's uh, she's showing her independence. Uh, she is a woman, and she's speaking up for women, but she's also speaking up for the United States hmm. and Israel at the United Nations in a way, uh, you know, few people have. I think you could say John Bolton did, who had her job, Jinker Patrick. At her job, they were pretty bold in sort of the American interest, but she is very strong. I mean, I just yeah. watched her lecture uh, in a 14-to-1 decision in which she was the one still lecturing everybody on America is with Israel, and we're not going to put up with the anti-Israel um, uh, rhetoric and votes from the U.N. She's a very strong person. What a great place to have her, too, because it doesn't seem like she has to get mired down into some of the local politics that are, you know, so ugly right now and doesn't have to defend the the president on those kind of things as much as just being able to get out there and and lead. um, I mean, do you think she could be a replacement for Tillerson or others? If Tillerson was were if he was if he's leaving. Yeah, if he's leaving, I don't see her as his replacement, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, there are many. We're <laughs> Nobody does, Joe. <laughs> by what actually does happen here? So I, I think she's. I think she's where she's going to be for a while. Yeah. Talk to me about uh, what you think. Tomorrow's the big election in Alabama um, with uh, Roy Moore and Doug Jones, Democrat Doug Jones. Uh, many are complaining, not complaining, but wondering where Roy Moore has been this entire week. I guess he's. He's been off the radar. It, it doesn't seem like a really good strategy. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's this is has to be the oddest, strangest, comp, most complicated race, Senate race. I don't know. I don't, I can't think of an analog 
Yeah. Uh, you, boy, you read so much about this. You, you, I, I read one series of polls. There's an there's a entity called Survey Monkey, which is pretty, pretty yeah. reliable. They, they do a lot of uh, stuff, and they said, well, here's the deal. There are 10 scenarios. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Literally, there are Possible scenarios. scenarios. Yeah, one of which, you know, gives uh, uh, Doug Jones 8% plus uh, victory, and another one gives Roy Moore 9% victory. Boy. Uh, so so and it, that, and there's a whole series of stories that say you can't tell what's going to happen. I don't know. I think it's a little more clear-cut. You look at the real clear politics, the average uh, is more 4.7 hmm. plus. And if you look at the last seven polls, the most recent seven polls, uh, Jones wins on only one of those. Yeah, it was you know uh, uh, more than a week ago, and the most recent poll has more up by nine. What's surprising to me is, I believe I still believe. I don't know. Would you say to a pollster that you're willing to vote vote for an alleged yeah. uh, child molester? Would you? Would no. you say uh, that? that? Don't you think that's think it? People would. aren't talking. They're not. They're not being honest. Yeah, but even here. Even in the most recent poll, it's an Emerson poll, which Emerson is generally, you know, pretty reputable. Fifty-three uh, percent say they're going to vote for more, and only forty-four percent say they're going to vote for Jones. Oh. And I got to believe there are some of those forty-four percent really probably they're not going to vote, or they're going to vote for more. Uh, Interesting. I don't know. I, no. I, uh, what do you think about? They're calling it like almost race baiting. The uh, Doug Jones came out with an article uh, or an ad. Basically saying, if a black man, uh, you know, harmed young women, do you think they'd be voting him in for Senate? And and it was really what they're, they're saying. Democrat Doug Jones is trying to do is is get pull out the black vote, get the black vote out there, and and, um, and move the black vote. Is what do you think of that? That's is well, I mean, that's dirty politics. Only, yeah, that's his only option. But I got to say, even lots of Democrats found that ad really really creepy I yeah mean, it's such a it's such an inversion i mean it, it, it's such an insult it was a just a viewed as an insult a lot of african americans also thought it was just a just a weird below the belt kind of thing but if you're a democrat in alabama that's your only hope right now i mean you gotta you gotta think this guy doug jones is probably not the best candidate ever because who's gonna run in a, you know, in Alabama, what Democrat is going to run in Alabama with any serious thought of winning? The only thing you could imagine is something this weird that would give the Democrats any any chance of, uh, of victory. So that's yeah, such a Hobson's choice. I mean, if you're in Alabama, you're thinking, I can't. Roy Moore is weird. Yeah. On the one hand, on the other hand, do I want to punish America for the sins of Roy Moore? You know, I right. mean, are we, am I going to really vote for a Democrat? Uh, it's wow, it's just the classic Hobson's well, and, choice. And Senator Shelby is like, yeah, I couldn't vote for him. I couldn't. He said, yeah, that's <laughs> unbelievable, uh, right? Senator said, yeah. You know what? I really, really want a Republican, but not him. Well, okay, <laughs> guess what? There's not another choice. So he writes somebody in. I don't think he, I looked around. I didn't see who he wrote in, but. Uh, yeah, even his colleague senator, who's you know pretty well established, long term Republican guy, said I can't vote for him. 
Yeah. But what I'm seeing, I'm seeing the realtor politics average is just moving way in in Moore's direction. Yeah, it seems it and seems that way. Yeah, willing to talk about it. <laughs> do you? Um, what do you think about? I guess moving to the other side of the Senate aisle. Al Franken resigns. And uh, did so in a way that many, you know, thought was less of an apology, um, more of a, you know, basically taking on the fact that President Trump has said what he said and he's still sitting in the office as, uh, you know, as well as they're about to nominate um, or elect Roy Moore. What do you think about all that going down and what was really behind it happening so fast? Well, I'm not sure what has happened. I mean, it's a, I'm going to resign, resign. I'm going to, I'm going to resign sometime. You know, I mean, it's, it's a, I think he is definitely going to resign, but it is, there are two aspects of it that were pretty unusual. One is that he didn't just say, I'm, I'm stepping down right now. There's no particular reason not to do that. You've got the Democrat governor in Minnesota could appoint somebody uh, they're already working on the election, you know, the uh, planned election for him. So that was a little bit odd that he didn't just step down. Uh, he's right. There, there's, uh, there's some hypocrisy here. Um, so he's right about that. But taking all that in, I just didn't see a very contrite guy. I don't think he believes really in his heart that he did anything wrong even though you know he's he made other people uncomfortable he's sorry they didn't see it the same way he did i'm sorry if they felt bad but you know i didn't sense any ownership i'm taking ownership of doing something getting the other question why it happened fast is well all of his colleagues came out basically virtually all of them came out and said no time to go Hmm. time to go 32 yeah that's amazing There were a lot of Republicans who did, too, but there were a significant number of Democrats who said, sorry, Al, time's up here. Do you think that's positioning, I guess, to supposedly have the moral authority in the 2018 election that, look, we got rid of our problem and Republicans still have their problem? Then they can actually run about sexual harassment with against the president. Uh, they can, and they will. So, so that is clearly a strategy. And of course, a lot of cynics wonder if they would have come out quite so strongly if Minnesota had a Republican governor uh, who would have appointed a Republican senator instead of Al Franken. But I, I mean, I, I, I think, stripped of all the sort of smallish politics of it, it's a very big issue. The, the whole sexual harassment thing is a very big issue going to be an issue in 2018 uh there it, it uh, it's not quite so clear-cut no matter what happens with franken because there are democrats and republicans who are resigning uh yeah two house members yeah. already resigned uh maybe a third uh republicans uh so it's uh, i mean it's going to be kind of a muddy issue i mean uh president trump is president trump and they're going to go after him they, the Democrats are going to go after him with whatever they've they've got, and uh, this is, you know, pretty good issue for them. Yeah. Hey, Joe, we got about a minute left. What else should we be talking about that uh, that matters? 
Well, the tax bill, uh, tax bill is shutting down the government. You know, there's there's no appetite to shut down the government. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Tax bill goes to conference. The actual conference is on Wednesday. And although there's a lot of, we've got a lot of big egos in this picture uh, uh, wanting their, their version of it in the House and in the Senate. But I think cooler heads are going to prevail. There's conferences on Wednesday. And I think there is going to be a bill reported out by the end of the week or early next week. And I think, think a lot of smart people think that's going to actually be the case. So tax bill this week, uh, it's very unpopular. It's interesting. One of the problems is, is that, you know, uh, 53% of Americans disapprove of the tax bill and only 35% approve, hmm. which 35% is awfully similar to Trump's base. So, uh, but they're going to go through with it. They're going to get it done. And I think, well, well, we'll see what the actual effect is. You have to look to sort through all of this and say, really what this is about is a corporate tax cut to jumpstart American business. That's what it is. Everything else is bells and whistles. Yeah, just dancing and shucking and jiving is what we call it on the show. Joe, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Joe Cannon is his name. Go check out his website, fuelfreedom.org, which is an organization trying to lower your fuel costs here in the United States. He is Joe in the know and uh, just a great resource for all of us to learn more about what's happening back in Washington, D.C. We'll continue the journey straight ahead, folks. Do a little Coach's Corner for you. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. I'm ready to go in, Coach. Just give me a chance. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball! Welcome back, friends. You know, this whole battle that we see going on in uh, in politics and really in life reminds me of a, a lesson I learned back in the day when I used to work uh, for, the, for Stephen Covey. And uh, he talked a lot about character ethic, he would call it, versus personality ethic. And he, what he did is he had studied um, a lot of... Uh, Thought leaders, a lot of people um, that that you know were foundational to our country, foundational to our um, our way of living here in the United States, and he found out that when they would discuss success and becoming successful for years, for generations, we saw most of the success literature for about the first hundred and fifty years of our country would would say that you were successful if you if you could somehow grow character and have a character ethic. Things like integrity, humility, simplicity, fairness, you know, modesty, love, courage, basic principles of character are the things that would drive you to have the most success. And um, then for about the last 50, now maybe about the last 80 or so years of our country, uh, the, the, the ethic, the, the, the way of living behind finding success has changed from character – to more of what we would call personality ethic, where your appearance, your image, your look, um, you know, your ability to control and manipulate your way through and maneuver your way through life, that really is seen today as a as the key to being a successful person. Not your integrity, not your hard work, not lo- your loyalty, not all of these other principles, but a personality ethic. 
And the problem is that we're starting to run into is now we're finding out that uh, we might be swinging the pendulum back because we are tired of not being able to trust anything, not being able to understand, uh, having to to tell, you know, you know, it's it's you know, sure, sure, the person won the election, but we we question this about the person because people now can get elected. You can become famous. You can win a lot of money or make a lot of money and get a lot of money with no integrity, with no no work ethic even. It can just come to you. So it, it seems to be um, playing out. Stephen Covey's great worry that we have to make sure we continually teach this character ethic. And so Instead of just sitting there and bemoaning the fact of, of every election you have to deal with or the political struggles you have, is there a way that you can be teaching your family about character ethic? Character ethic used to be natural because you were raised on a farm and, you know, raised in an agrarian society where you reap what you sow, you, you know, you, you receive what you work for. But now we live in a place and a time where your personality is enough to win it for you. But personality eventually will break down with a lack of character. And so let's get back to the character ethic. And what can you do? Simply believe in it. Teach it. Hold it accountable. Uh, win or die by your character and, and maybe give up the, the politics of personality and the manipulations of personality ethic instead of just trusting in character, integrity, humility, some of the old-fashioned traits. I know they seem old-fashioned, but in the end, they also are – uh, they're they're successful long term, and we might be creating some some monsters by simply allowing personality to succeed so much. Anyway, uh, you can find out more about that if you just go read the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, or you know, the Bible, or the Quran, the Talmud, any of those old reads. Basic basic principles, folks. We got to get back to it. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Welcome back, friends. You know, we talk about it on the show a bit. We joke about it. But Bitcoin, a lot of you, again, we, it's hard to understand. We've, we've had guests on the show to explain this magical e-currency. But uh, Bitcoin now is, is taking on a whole new world. In fact, I guess now it's publicly being traded, Terry? On the futures market. On the futures so market. So people can basically the make a bet versus what it's going to do when it comes to price. So the futures on the world's most popular cryptocurrency surged to as much as 26% in their debut session on uh, the SIBO Global Markets Exchange, triggering two temporary halts to trading designed to calm the market. This happened, wow. I believe, last night. So initial volumes exceeded dealers' expectations, while traffic on the website was so heavy that it caused delays and outages. The launch of futures on a regulated exchange is a watershed uh, for Bitcoin, whose surge this year has captivated everyone from mom-and-pop speculators to Wall Street trading firms. Woo! This is all out of, of uh, Bloomberg. They're, they're, out, they're looking at it as you know, the, the biggest problem Bloomberg sees is that no one's in charge. No one's in charge in the market, and it also seems like the word crypto there's may a, not be what you want in your money. There's a quarter trillion dollars at risk if Bitcoin crashes. Right? So, so there's tons of money. People have invested in this. 
Um, one day, the technology underlying Bitcoin could trigger serious financial disruption, but that tech that's called the blockchain, we've had yeah. people come on and talk about yeah. it. Basically, it's it's a form of a ledger where every transaction with Bitcoin is um, captured, written down, doc, not written down, but documented so you can track it. And it's all right there. And it's supposed to be a, a, an idea that's more secure than a bank. It's kind of By the way, idea. one Bitcoin is $16,571. Well, right now. The beginning, today, of, the, the, be- second. the beginning of the year is about $930. Yeah. Now it's up to, what'd you say? $16,571. Right. right. So just crazy. But tomorrow, hey, tomorrow could be anything. And of course, this is all... It's called cryptocurrency, meaning yeah. you can't get a dollar bill that says or a bill no. of any kind that says Bitcoin, right? Right. Now, I, I've seen some people write things up that goes, the reason people have a problem with Bitcoin is they think their money is real. Right. And your money's not real. Your money is just, it's just data on it's, a computer. Yeah, it's just it's Now, you can get dollar value. bills, but you can't get, like, if everybody in the nation went to get their money in dollar bills, there's not enough dollar bills to do that. So Bitcoin is like Trump, wait, Trump calories. That is true. They can go Trump up or meals. down. Trump mills. Yeah. Yeah. $2,400 or so 2,400 calories. It's being traded. People are speculating against it. And many people think that Wall Street's just going to go in and just devastate all these people that own Bitcoin because oh, man. they but know it what has they're doing. Been, I mean, that legitimizes it a little bit more little bit now more. that it's being traded on the futures market. Interesting stuff, folks. Uh, trying to keep you informed in this crazy world. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. It's Monday, and uh, Jeff Terry and I were gathered to give you hope. Don't look at it as a Monday. Really, instead, look at it as... 14 days, two weeks before Christmas Day. Or just look at it as the furthest possible point from the weekend. (laughs) That's a very technical way to look (laughs) at it. Just look at it that, you know, all you got to get through uh, is, you know, every minute. But one minute at a time. And then you only have to get through five days of those. But yeah, it is crazy. What, two weeks before Christmas? That's insane. No, this is exciting. It's a great time of year. It's a great time to be alive, quite honestly, unless, of course, you live in California. That is crazy what's going on there. The fires just keep a burning, my friends, and uh, six of them now converging all over from basically Santa Barbara south to San Diego, up in the mountains, slowly working their way to the water. And again, that's a four-hour drive in your car without traffic. Yeah. From Santa Barbara to San Diego. So that's a huge area. Wild horses are going crazy. Uh, animals fleeing everywhere. Horses have burned. People can't even – the roads are in some places – and by the way, your, your safety road, your exit road may be impassable now. But the Waze traffic app is not aware, so it's been sending people down those roads. Uh, and the officials are like, don't use these apps. They're not up to date as to the second yeah, whether not. there's a fire there or not. As if the heat and traffic wasn't bad enough in L.A. This is the crazy statistic. Wildfires are now larger than New York City and Boston combined. That's crazy. 
Again, the, a lot of people don't understand the magnitude of the West. Yeah, it's big. It's big. It's, it's open. It's open and it's free. Like in oh, back back east, in about <laughs> four hours, you could get without traffic. Within four hours, you could be in like four or five states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but here in four hours, you couldn't. You know, you couldn't breach this fire. <laughs> you couldn't get to all six of the fire locations. Um, it's just it's tragic. Uh, Thomas Fire. One fire alone has scorched two hundred thirty thousand acres. Fifteen percent containment. Uh, and then it slipped down to 10% contained. Because the wind's picked up. And so, they were saying some of these areas, especially around like uh, Santa Barbara, have not burned in over 100 years. No, I remember being there 10 so. years ago thinking, boy, this is not – this is a fire hazard. And there's homes, beautiful homes with beautiful mm-hmm. shrubs built all around them. Just nestled right in there. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, then you hear a firefighter say, "If we, yeah, you know, we're just hoping that the wind will cooperate – well, winds don't necessarily. It rarely, cooperate. yeah, rarely does. So it's it's just a tragedy. And add that to the other fires. I mean, and then even the governor himself is like, yeah, no, this place is this is just going to keep burning. It's the new normal. The new norm. So uh, keep your hearts open to them and uh, prayers. I'm sure there's more we can do eventually by sending funds and resources somehow to help, but. Really, you got to get these fires out. Again, they're saying over and over, thank you for the helicopters that are coming in to drop the water. Homes, uh, entire subdivisions just being devastated as well as wildlife and animals. Unbelievable stuff. Um, and warnings going out. So everybody in that area, listen to the warnings. You turn off the show and go listen to the warnings for the people, for the fires in your area. School closures, of course. Um, anyway. Unbelievable stuff. Our prayers go with you. Let's get to the rest of the headlines. Terry, what else should we be paying attention to around the country? This morning, 16 women who have come forward and accused President Trump of sexual misconduct will hold a press conference calling on Congress to open an investigation into their allegations. The press conference will start at 1030 Eastern. Shortly after, three of the women, Jessica Leeds, Samantha Holvey, and Rachel Crooks, are scheduled to appear on the Megyn Kelly Today Show and share their stories. Being the first wow. interview with these women yeah. together uh, to talk about this. Well, and this also creates a predicament because people would say, well, no, the people knew and the people voted in President Trump. The people wanted President Trump, except um, what's going to happen with Roy Moore if he gets voted in and then they boot him out. Then there's precedence that you can boot somebody out that was voted in and once these stories – it sounds like this is going to be the story we're going to hear. This and Russia for about the next year. It'll keep building. There's a uh, – one of his accusers wants President Trump to be deposed in her lawsuit. She's a former apprentice contestant. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So that's out there. And they're saying – the White House says that he doesn't have time because, you know, he's running the country. Hello, I'm running the country. Well, busy at the moment. Yeah, well, you know, Al Franken was running his little office. Everybody's running something. So we'll see. And, and Harvey Weinstein was running something. Many and some pe- people are running from some people. <laughs> many yeah. people feel that uh, in President Trump's orbit are saying that if he does, they don't want him deposed oh. because then he's just sort of talking and that's yeah, when he, it turns into bigger problems. Well, yeah. yeah. Keep so, him quiet. <laughs> keep him quiet. President Trump has recorded a robocall endorsing Republican candidate Roy Moore ahead of Tuesday's Senate election in Alabama. White House Press Secretary Raj Shah confirmed Trump's participation in the call Saturday night after multiple news reports earlier in the day in his most direct endorsement of Moore, who is accused of sexual misconduct by numerous women. Trump describes the candidate as the guy we need to pass our Make America Great Again agenda. 
in the phone call. That phone call will be going out today. So if you're in Alabama, look for that. Vote for Roy Moore. He is not a molester. He is our go-to guy. <laughs> I get those constantly from uh, my elected officials. I've never had a robocall. Well, they're, they're mine are they're robocalls, but they're inviting you to a tele-town hall meeting. Oh, yeah. And you can go listen to your elected official oh, answer to- selected questions that are pro-them, and they never talk to anyone who's <laughs> against them, and they cut those people off. It's a tele-town hall meeting. And what you, are you? Was that Howard Cassell? You can't. How? What? Cassell? Yeah. You, you try to hang up. You try to kill your answering machine as it's recording it. And you're like, stop. Yeah. You know what? Can I just give you a little advice? Yeah, Don't give your number out. Well, uh, that I, happened years ago. Just and, give your. I give my wife's number to everything like that. Yeah. She probably gets them. I <laughs> feel so bad now. Comes to the home phone. Lebanese security forces block protesters from reaching the U.S. Embassy in Beirut on Sunday in a violent protest against President Trump's Uh-oh. decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Demonstrators set fires in the streets and hurled projectiles at security forces who had barricaded the road leading to the embassy. Uh, the violence came amid a wave of unrest following Trump's policy change last week with an Israeli security guard also stabbed in Jerusalem on Sunday. The guard was seriously wounded and his attacker arrested after the incident, the first such attack on Israeli law enforcement since the announcement. World leaders have called on Trump to rethink his decision, warning that the Jerusalem move is likely to unleash further violence in the region. At least two Palestinians were killed and a dozen others were wounded earlier this week during clashes with Israeli forces on the West Bank. Wow. I thought that I thought that decision was a no-brainer. No one was no one cared about it. No one it. cared. It was just yeah. There 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 there's 30 towns at one point on uh, Friday through Saturday were having different protests and things Um, you'll probably have some initially and the question is will it die down does the sentiment go away i don't know Hmm, we will see uh and finally we talked about uh, this briefly uh but the uh, bitcoin is being traded on the futures market right we talked about the the blockchain is a secure ledger where users can record transactions like payments a chain of supply a contract and the origins of commodities like pork or diamonds and they use this for blockchain, which is a digital currency. Yeah. That has gone from worth one Bitcoin was $960 or so at the beginning of the year. Now, today, you said it was like $16,500-ish. $16, yeah. So there's people out there that have a lot of digital wealth all of a sudden. But it seems like to make Bitcoin work, you'd have to, you'd have to really be good at IT. Yes, because it involves computers. Yeah, and it, uh, you 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 use a program, and the program does basically a math equation. And as it continues to work through the equation, once it reaches a certain point, you earned a bitcoin. But like it went from nine hundred to sixteen thousand dollars. Right, there's big money to be made, but assume there's big money to be lost. Yes, I love technology. So the one of the one of the question or concerns is if you put it like your home PC or laptop or something, yeah, you set it up to do this, it's going to be churning constantly, twenty four hours a day, chewing up all this energy, all, and and so there's a cost there, and sometimes you have to get an even more powerful computer to actually crunch the numbers faster, yeah, right, and it becomes ever more difficult with every Bitcoin you earn. You just, the whole thing just turns into a you need to be an IT guy, as you said. <laughs> well, this guy. Um, his name is Josh Howell. He's a British IT worker and an early investor in Bitcoin. He also has every right to be uh, the most furious man on earth, this article says. Really? So Howell got in on the ground floor of the cryptocurrency back in February 2009. 
He through his computational labors, like we talked about with yeah. computers and the math and all that, he amassed around seven thousand five hundred Bitcoin. Wow! Do the math real quick on that. That's the, on amazing. The, at the current rate, seven thousand five hundred Bitcoin. Seven thousand five hundred times what were we saying? About sixteen thousand five hundred dollars. What? One hundred twenty-three million dollars. Right. So one hundred twenty-three million. So he had that much before his girlfriend got fed up with the noise of the block mining hardware, which the computer, I guess, makes beeps and bops and all the stuff in the other room. Made him stop. Uh, bing, no, bing, bing. So he ended up. Uh, and this was no way. Yeah, so this was real early on. So he had all this Bitcoin. The most most of the equipment he was using was sold for scrap after he spilled lemonade on it, and the hard drive containing the key to his digital wallet, which had all this no Bitcoin in it, sat way. in a drawer for three years before passing into its final resting place, the trash. No Someone threw it way. away near the uh, near the tail end of 2013. Howell took a stock of the crypto markets and began to regret his hasty cleaning decisions at that time bitcoin's market cap beginning to climb uh four years later he still understandably hasn't let it go one bitcoin is currently valued uh, we talked about sixteen thousand dollars right man he's got this massive fortune and it's he can't find his password it's in this hard drive that he threw away mm. so it's in the landfill because that's where the trash goes well, right? and I, bet, I bet they're not very forgiving so now he seems fully invested on digging up a huge plot of five-year-old dirt and garbage, risking dangerous gases and potential landfill fires to recover a laptop hard drive that may or may not function. The report from The Independent wow. does not make clear if Howell even knows specifically which trash hole his millions are located in. But he is making an effort to get out into this landfill and dig to try to find his um, multi-millions. So, Unbelievable. Matt, how far would you go? Oh, I'd go. I would go for years. Just go go recruit a couple of retired people from the beach that are walking around with their metal detectors yeah. anyway. In their Speedos. Get them some boots and walk and have them just have that whole platoon go wand the entire. Now, in the past, we've heard of people losing their like wedding ring. Yeah. Right. And no. then you can call up and. and Occasionally, they can tell you which section, maybe your truck. Yeah, this $123 million. They give you some ideas. Now, this was years ago, right? We're looking at probably eight years ago that he did this. So can you tell me eight years ago on this day where, you know? No. So I know. He's going to be out there. He's going to try to find it. Well, like I'm... But, I mean, wouldn't it, would, the no. fact that he's talked about it, now other people are going to go out there and try to find it. Now everybody's going to be out there. Except it's his key. He knows the password. Nobody else does. Does he? It's secure. Because I'm sitting here. I've taken over the IT for my company, and I can't remember one password. It doesn't say if the girlfriend was a current or past <laughs> girlfriend after this. Well, uh, I'm sure it's past, especially when she realized how much money he's lost. I would just forget about it. That was on TV last night. <gasps> oh, yeah. and guess what's going to be on TV, I think, on the 14th or 17th? Mm. What? But not in the theaters anymore. What? We already talked about it. The, the Frozen Short. Yes. So oh, yeah. now it's going to be on TV, which is what they were going to do with it originally. Man, they wasted a lot of time. It's, it will actually be on TV, huh? Or they've just created a huge PR uh, goldmine for themselves because they've talked it up. People who haven't seen it can go watch it now. No, they're going to boycott it even on TV. They'll there's, get it removed from TV. There's a lot of trickery going on in the movies because I was trying to watch a, the troll movie with my granddaughter. 
Yes. Oh, and I'm, ended up watching I, a, I troll, sorry. a troll holiday hey, troll movie. Trolls is a very entertaining It's film. a very entertaining show, except I don't want to be bait and switched. I want the troll movie, not the troll holiday movie. You didn't like the troll holiday special? Do you read like the title before yeah, you click? Yeah, but I just saw trolls. Okay, it was fun. So who, it was. That, I mean, it, it's it was fun. It sounds like a more you problem. It's than... a bait and switch issue. But in I'm the, looking for trolls. I find trolls, and it's a troll. In holiday. the movie, though, the voice voices are the same voices from the movie. Usually, they tend to change. Yeah, yeah. Or no, that was like cool. there's a Toy Story holiday movie where Tom Hanks is sort of in it. Other places you can see where they've spliced in previous audio from the movies into the TV show because they weren't going to keep him around for the entire... Really? Yeah, they kind of faked him. That is a big and then, and then switch. Woody doesn't speak for large portions of the movie because they just don't have di- the dialogue. They couldn't afford Tom Hanks for that. Is that, that the, got his tongue. the Christmas that time forgot or whatever? Yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't a fan of that one. Yeah. It's, um, it's just Hollywood squeezing another dime out of you. And? I don't know. I'm tired of being squeezed. But that's the thing. By trying to put that 22-minute short on the front of Coco, yeah. they actually lost money because it, it meant fewer showings of Coco could be in well, the movie theaters. What were they thinking? They weren't. That's the problem. No one's thinking anymore. Hey, uh, speaking of not thinking, let's get to the empty news segment with Jeff Liam Simpson. The empty news team. First on the scene. Fifth on facts. What should we be paying attention to in the empty news segment? When you hear this song, what do you think of? Uh, Ferris Bueller. Of course. The Porsches. Stealing a Porsche. See, now that's that's a powerful thing to do. When you when your song can make you instantly think of a movie or a picture, yeah. you've done a good job, no, right? totally. Nailed it. So you knew that it was about Ferris Bueller's Day Off, or more specifically about a Ferrari, right? Right, absolutely. So there's a Southern California man charged with stealing a $300,000 Ferrari. He was arrested... After reportedly asking for gas money, authorities say the Ferrari was bought in uh, was brought into a Costa Mesa service center, but stolen in October. Oh boy! After a worker left the key on a passenger seat, fired, fired. Sorry. Security video showed a man in a Ferrari jacket walking onto the lot and taking it. So obviously, he's a big Ferrari fan if he's got a Ferrari yeah. jacket. Two weeks <laughs> later, it showed up trashed at a Santa Ana mobile station where Wrangle was asking for gas money. Oh, man. He fled, but was found in some bushes. Then what? Bushwhacked. I'm sure he was a wreck. Yeah. You know, I hid in bushes one time uh, trying to run away from a girl. How'd that go for you? Uh, It didn't work out very well. Never, never. Do you want to hear the story? Yeah. There was this girl that wanted me to date her, Mm. and uh, I was not interested Plus, Why? I was too young. I was in junior high. Yeah, you, you weren't of dating age. Yeah, so I kept pushing, putting it off and saying, uh, let me get back to you. <laughs> and she just kept confronting me about Why it. Why did you sound like a senior, a senior citizen? At I don't point? know. I think my voice had dropped by okay. then. Um, and then one day she came up with this whole entourage of girls mm. asking me again. And then I, I managed to get out of it that time, too. And then one day yeah. I'm standing there, and she is like, scoping the school looking for me. Uh-oh. And her eyes lock onto me and Uh-oh. she like r- she walks right toward me and makes a beeline to me. And so I do the only rational thing that a thir- 12 or 13 year old w- could do. And I hightailed it. I took off running down the street. <laughs> and you would think that'd be a pretty good indicator. Yeah. 
maybe I he this guy's not interested. Maybe you're out of his league. Yeah. She ran after me. <gasps> Hold on, were you guys playing like kissing? She tag? ran after me, and when I couldn't lose her, I thought, okay, I'll try to I'll try to hide in these bushes. She won't see me go hide in these bushes. Yeah, no. So then she walks up to me. She's like, Jeff, are you going to go out with me or not? <laughs> so I'm crouching down in the bushes. Still, she's clueless that I'm really not interested. That you're terrified. So then I say the only rational thing that a 12 or 13-year-old could say. What? I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you threw that line out. That didn't work so well. She scoffed, turned around, and walked away. Boy, you were pathetic. <laughs> you, you, you did not want to date this. You didn't no. want to date the girl, and you were afraid to just shoot straight with her. Yeah. And she wasn't picking up a clue. Right. Yeah, we got to have you in to see me. See, I had to chase my wife, but not literally. Yeah, but Probably. I mean, I've seen your wife. I've met your family. There was obviously some coercion. Shh. Shh. I mean that the she best shouldn't, way possible. She shouldn't know. She doesn't know. She shouldn't know oh, she that knows. I got away with something. She totally knows. Um, I, I just want to share one more piece of Golden Globe news with you. Okay. So the animated film Coco is nominated for Best Animated Feature. Yeah. I'm predicting it's not only going to win the globe, not the literal globe, but it's also going to win the Oscar. Do you really? I yes. hope so. It's and a beautiful, beautiful thought. I am predicting thought. that this song, which I can't even listen to all the way through without sobbing. Let's hear it. Remember Me is going to win for best original song. This is the song I want you to sing. Remember me. Oh. No, that's, no, yeah, you're going to make me cry. Okay. Let it make you cry. For even if I'm far away, mm. I hold you in my heart. He plays a great guitar, by the way. It's just a great song. Do you need a tissue? I need to take a break. We'll leave on this note, folks. Coco, great movie, great music, great message about families for together forever. You gotta love it. Hey, up next, uh, Stephen M. R. Covey will be joining us. Uh, we'll be revisiting an interview we did with him on how to build trust. Straight ahead. Until you're in my arms again, remember me. Trust me, these words can lead to all sorts of adventures, from Aladdin's magic carpet ride with Jasmine to big business deals, or even turning down a job. These words will likely change your life. How do we build trust? Why does trust matter? A few months ago, I spoke with a good friend, Stephen M. R. Covey, author of the book, The Speed of Trust. He is a former CEO of Covey Leadership Center and son of Stephen Covey. Uh, I began the interview by pointing out that one of the universal truths in business is the importance of trust. 
Exactly. And, and the thing is, intuitively, we all kind of know it. Yeah. Don't we, yeah, Matt? Everybody. But, but we look right past it. We too often ignore it until we lose it. Exactly. And then we become painfully aware of it. So my whole focus is on saying, look, don't wait until it's lost to become aware of trust. Right. Become aware of it now. Focus on building it, growing it, expanding it, extending it, and even in some cases, restoring it. Now, yeah. How – can you can you restore – you can. It just how? Yeah. Well, it's a good question, you know, and I probably get that question more than any other. Do you really? Can you restore trust? And my answer is, in most situations, yes. I'll acknowledge there might be a few where you right. can't. Where you know, Ber- Bernie Madoff is going to have a hard time yeah, restoring trust, <laughs> right? Right? Because right. it's too egregious yeah. over too period, long a mm-hmm. period of time. But in most situations, you can. But here's the key principle. You can't talk yourself out of a problem that you behave yourself I into. I love that. Yeah. So the only way to restore trust is you've got to behave your way back into it. You that have will take to some change. You've got to change. Yeah. And it's got to be manifest and seen through your behavior, not just through your words, right. but through your actions, what yeah. people see over time. And But in most situations, you can restore it. And in fact, and sometimes you can even increase it yeah. after having lost it. Well, and if you couldn't restore it, there's still a thousand other principles you could live. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Be honorable, be respectful, be appreciative, be grateful, be understanding. That's right. And, and, and lead out also in extending trust to others. It's kind mm-hmm. of a, there's a reciprocity to trust. Interesting. Yeah. And when, when you give it, people receive it and they return it. And when you withhold it, withhold it. So yeah. I work with leaders all over yeah. the world. And I find that the biggest reason why employees don't trust their management in a lot of kind of low trust cultures, low-trust companies, mm-hmm. is first and foremost because the management doesn't trust the employees. Exactly. Yeah. And the employees Watch them. Reci- you got to right. watch them. And you know what, Matt? The employees reciprocate that distrust right back uh-huh. at the management. They're trying to get us. Yeah. They're always changing the benefits. So you don't trust me, I don't trust you either. But it, it can work the other direction too. You lead out as a leader with trust. You uh-huh. extend it smartly. And I, yeah, I, I'm yeah. not saying a blind yeah, trust. Yeah, don't be blind. Yeah, but smart trust means clear expectations. High accountability to what we're extending trust on, but we trust people. We, we, we demonstrate it. We show it. Mm. And when people get that kind of trust, the vast, vast majority are inspired by it. Oh, yeah. They rise to the occasion. They perform better, and they give it back. Were you learning this as you were CEO at, at Covey? Yeah. Yeah, Leadership. absolutely. Because that, that was the most, I felt, empowered employment I had ever had, where I knew they trusted me, not blindly, but if I blew it, I knew I'd hear about it, but I also knew they had my back. Yeah. And you grew that enough to sell it off to, I guess, Franklin Quest. Yeah. And, I mean, it, so you were just kind of working I, your way up that Absolutely. Way. In fact, that's where kind of this, this blinding flash of the obvious came to me that saying, look, this is not a little idea. This is a big idea. Yeah. Trust. If you can increase trust in any relationship, on a team, in a culture, with a partner, customer – it changes everything. Mm-hmm. And we all kind of intuitively know it, but we too often ne- neglect it or ignore it. But I, I began to see that not only was this a nice thing, it was an economic thing, Matt. It wasn't just good stuff, soft, love, love. Yeah. It was it was financial. Yeah, it, we could put a value on it. You know why? Because when there's high trust, you can move faster and everything costs you less. Interesting. When there's low trust, it takes you longer, it costs you more. That's a tax, a low trust tax. Yeah. And you can put an economic value on that and see that there's a high cost of low trust. That's the speed. That's, that's, that's what I mean by the speed of trust. And uh. when there's high trust in a relationship, 
then suddenly you don't have to check and verify and validate. You just move fast. You know it. They're you good. Know it. And it's the speed of trust. Nothing is as fast as the speed mm-hmm. of trust. Uh-huh. And and there's real economics to it. And the opposite is true as well. I mean, look look at what happened after 9-11. Yeah. You know, our trust or confidence in airplane travel goes down. Oh. Can't have that. No, you get frisked now. That's right. So we increase security <laughs> and credit GSA. Slows it down. It takes you longer, costs you more. But that's what you have to do when you lose trust. Interesting. That's well, and happens. standing in line to be searched makes you not trust. Right, so you're looking through the line like, oh yeah, they're doing something wrong. That, that, that's the danger of a low trust world because you start seeing <laughs> through that lens. That's right. We all, we all, none of us want to get burned. No, right, and, and it can be dangerous in some situations, like transportation. That's why yeah, we it's do it. so important. But the problem with a low trust world is everyone starts to become more careful, more cautious, more guarded, more yeah. cynical, more suspicious, and that tends to perpetuate more of the same. And you can find yourself. Be- you know, creating a vicious downward mm. cycle of distrust and suspicion, creating more distrust and suspicion. It's so interesting. And that one of your great quotes um, is low trust cultures pay high taxes. Absolutely. They, and that's the tax. The tax will be time, energy, money, resources. But all of that makes you less efficient. That's right. And it, it doubles the cost. It, yeah, it doubles the cost. You know, uh, when there's significant distrust, it literally can double the cost of doing business. Mm. And you have to take all these steps to compensate for it, which takes you time, costs you money. You also see you also see a loss in of people's engagement, yeah. being disengaged, yeah. they'll turn over, especially performers. Performers want to be at a place where they're trusted. Totally. And when they're not, they'll go find a place where they are. Yeah. And and you'll see um, you know, the disempowerment and you'll, you'll see fraud, you'll see politics and all kinds of stuff. Well, and your best up. ideas will leave your company. That's right. Because you don't trust me enough to grow them. So they'll leave the company. They'll, they'll steal from the company. They'll the, slow. They'll sabotage. That's right. Those are all the low trust yeah. taxes. But the good news, Matt, as you know, is that the converse is equally real. Totally. And high trust cultures – empower people, they engage people, they inspire people, they bring out the best in people, it enables people to collaborate. You know, you can't collaborate with people that you don't trust. No, exactly. You How do co- you? Right. Yeah, you can coordinate. Right. But real collaboration requires a level of trust. And, and the real challenge for organizations today is innovation. Yeah. And you need trust ultimately to innovate. You mm. got to do a lot of other things too. But if people are afraid to make a mistake, afraid to take a risk, quick to point the finger of blame... You know, or skirt things, hide things. Yeah, you won't innovate. You won't no. sustain it. Wow, what does this? And I, I know you would want to be careful, but what does this mean about like presidency? Because trust is a big thing as we're looking at our presidents. You don't need to name names, but why? Why should the people care more about the trustworthiness of their candidate, or should they? Well, ab- absolutely, we need to have trust to have a democracy work. Right. Think about it. And that's one of the challenges we have as a society today is that um, you look at the data, most Americans have lost trust in government. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and as, a result, as a result, there's all this angst and anxiety about mm-hmm. it, and we're trying to figure out how to close those gaps. And I find whenever it comes to the political discussion, um, people are so kind of jaundiced by their views their of bias, candidates. Yeah. It's, it's hard to ever talk names yeah. without offending half right. your audience. Oh, right. And, and, but the principles are, in a democracy, it requires a level of trust to really work the way it's intended to work. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and you can't have trust without trustworthiness. And, and that's, you know, and I, I call it credibility, which is, implies both the, the character yeah. side and also the competence they side. They've got to have a clue. 
Yeah. But you got to be honest. You got to have both. And if, if, if you're honest but don't have a clue, it's not going to work. If, mm-hmm. you, if you're really competent but you're not honest or you don't care about people, we got to get another it's opinion. Not work That's right. Yeah. And so that combination of character and competence creates a credibility. That's the foundation on which you can build the trust. And then you add to it the behavior, you know, how, how people behave. Yeah. Do they talk straight, tell the truth, do they call things what they are. But also, do they clarify expectations? Do they keep their commitments? Do they listen first? There's a variety of behaviors that help people build trust. And it's true in politics and well, as well. But I find in politics, the biggest challenge is, is the counterfeit behavior. Oh, yeah. Is the spin instead of the straight talk. Mm-hmm. It's the hidden agenda instead of the transparency. Right. It's the over-promising and under-delivering instead of keeping commitments. And as a result, trust goes down. That's right. And there's data that came from GFK Research out of Germany, measured the least the most most and least trusted professions, thirty <laughs> countries. In twenty eight of the thirty, the lowest was polit- politicians. Is it really? And it was second in the other two. Oh my heavens! And, and uh, all around the world, because it's just filled with this counterfeit behavior yeah. everywhere. So it's interesting. Yeah, I guess there's this universal need to supposedly, I guess, play a role and fake it or overpromise, underdeliver. Yeah, and it's like. Apparently everywhere. It is everywhere, and it's kind of part of the culture in some environments. In political environment, it's part of the culture. It's part of the culture. That's great. This book that you've written 10 years old now, million and a half copies sold, but it's in 22 languages, and you have trainers now all over the world teaching trust. And again, it's not – it seems so basic, but it, it is basic because it's a principle. But it is it is the thing. Yeah, it's so foundational that we look right past it. But here's what we've done in our training work, kind of three main points. The first, we show that trust is financial, mm-hmm. not just some warm and fuzzy. Yeah. It's economic. You can put a value on it. Second, we show how it's really the number one competency of leadership needed today. Why? Because of how it affects every other competency. It makes it better. It's a multiplier when you have it. It's a diminisher right. when you don't. Yeah. And then third, we show how trust is a learnable competency. It's something you can learn and do and create and grow, not as a manipulative technique, no, yeah. but rather as part of who you are. You be, but you can become conscious and deliberate and explicit about building trust on purpose yeah. and getting good it's at this. Learnable. It's, it's learnable. It's not just inherited. That's right. And that's what we sometimes think, that he's just got good genes yeah. or he's a lot like his dad. But it's it, it can be learned. It's like emotional. It is emotional intelligence. It's, it's trust intelligence. Trust intelligence. TQ. That's a great idea. And, and you need to coin that. Well, we have. Have you? We, we actually have a, yeah, a 360 profile called TQ, yeah, Trust Quotient. That's and it. It's trust intelligence. And, and it's learning how to build trust, becoming aware of this, and that you can build it on purpose mm. through your credibility, through your behavior. How do you do it? I mean, I know you have behaviors, like 13 behaviors. What What are some of the things that we should – like the low-hanging fruit yeah. almost that we could immediately start doing to impact trust. Well, here's the first thing. The first thing is to look in the mirror and start with yourself. Because everyone, when it comes to trust, they look at everyone around them and say, yeah, they need trust. They right. need trust. Yeah, and oh, boy, that, she needs to hear that's this. That's right. She needs to hear this. He needs to hear this. That might be true. Yeah. But the best way we're going to help them hear it, let's model it. Let's lead out with it. It's kind of like the airplane analogy when yeah. it says when the oxygen masks fall down, put your own mask on first. Get it on. Before yeah, helping that's others. right. And that's how trust works. It's inside out. So you start with with yourself. And self-trust precedes relationship trust. Hmm. In other words, do I trust myself? And do I give to my team, to my family, to my partner, a person that they can trust? And if you start there, it becomes yeah. more natural and abundant to build trust with others. But, but think about it, Matt. 
you'll have a hard time sustaining trust with anyone else if you don't trust yourself. Oh, no, totally. So self-trust is where you start. And if someone's saying, well, gosh, I'm struggling, and I, you know, where do That's I start? That's the problem. I can't trust myself. I can't do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, so here's a, here's a simple thing that each of us can start with. The fastest way to build trust with another person with another person is to make them a commitment and to keep it. Make another commitment and keep it. Repeat that process. Make, keep, repeat. You mm. can build trust fast that way. Well, guess what, Matt? That's also the fastest way to build trust with yourself. Make yourself a commitment and keep it. Make another commitment, keep it. Repeat that process. Start with small things. It doesn't and, matter if it's big or anything. That's right. In fact, it's best to start with small things mm-hmm. so that you don't break it. Yeah. That you can, you're setting yourself up to win. Get up tomorrow morning. Yeah. I'm going to set seven. my alarm at six and go exercise. Mm-hmm. And then I do it. And then I do it again and again. From that, you start to set, you get a sense of trust of self. That's a little thing. Yeah. But it starts to be, expand and you get a greater sense of clarity, integrity, and power. So learning to make and keep commitments to yourself is a great way to kind of get control of a uh, self-control that, that lends itself to a self-trust. Mm-hmm. And, and you're really trying to focus on both your, your character as well as your competence, kind of both yeah. halves of the equation. And that's what I mean by start with self, with your own credibility. And the more credible you are as a person, become as a person, the quicker, the faster you can build the trust. Mm. So credibility comes first or trustworthiness, you know, the character, the competence. But then you want to move into behavior. And behavior is what we do, how we do it. So in Speed of Trust, I talk about 13 behaviors that are common to high-trust people. Things like talk straight, demonstrate respect, create transparency, listen first, keep commitments, extend trust. Just common sense Mm, things. But too often – we do the opposite oh. where, you know, maybe we're, we're – instead of talking straight, we're lying. But more commonly, we probably do the counterfeit. Instead of talking straight, we're spinning mm-hmm. and twisting. Yeah. Instead of being transparent, we have hidden agendas. And we overpromise, underdeliver instead of keeping commitments. Right. And that's what gets in the way yeah. of trust. And instead of listening, you're, you're preparing. You're preparing your response. Your retort. Right. right. Yeah. Instead yeah. of really understanding, real mm-hmm. empathy and understanding. And, and so – You could it, actually just go through that list one at a time and just work on one a month. Well, and that's kind of what we do is, is we say, look, there's all these behaviors. The, the, the behaviors are kind of like the Pareto 80-20 rule, mm-hmm. disproportionate in building trust or diminishing trust. And we look at the behavior, straightforward, you know, talk straight, you tell the truth, you build trust. The opposite, straightforward, you lie, you distract. What makes this hard is that counterfeit, the spin, the twist, the manipulating, the posturing. But you can kind of say, how can I get better at talking straight in a culture of spin? How can I do these things? And, and, And you can focus one behavior at a time and get really good at this and start to move the needle. Another key thing I find that can really help people is is to declare your intent. By that I mean let people know what you're doing but also why you're doing it. Mm. Always give the why behind the what. So it might look like this. You say, hey, team or family or friend, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's why I'm trying to do it. Here's my agenda. I don't have a hidden agenda. I have an open agenda. I'm transparent. There's nothing to hide. If you do that, Matt, it affects how people interpret your subsequent behavior. Yeah. And when you don't declare your intent, you know what? People ascribe intent yeah. to you anyway. And, and malicious intent. Often maliciously. Yeah. or It could at, just be ignorant, but yeah. they're, they're, they might protect themselves with maliciousness. At, at best, they're guessing. Uh-huh, exactly. At worst, it's malicious uh-huh. or, or they're projecting worst case or right, fears. Right. Don't have people guess. Tell them. Here's my agenda. Here's my motive. I'm open. I'm transparent. 
it affects how people interpret your subsequent behavior. Mm. And you'll start to get the benefit of the doubt. You can start to build trust better and faster with people. So declare your intent as a leader, as a parent, as a, as a person in a relationship. And then when you're on the other side of the equation, always assume positive intent there as a go. starting yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be and, Yeah, that's a character act. Assume yeah. the best here. And, until proven otherwise. Right. It's just a better starting point. It seems, too, that if you declare your intent, you actually know your intent. So many times we are we don't even know what our real goal is. It's it's a great test. It's beginning with the end in mind. It begins with the end in mind. What is my intent? Declare it. And if you'd be embarrassed to declare it because it's so self-serving. Then not. Let's then get bring rid of more, it. <laughs> bring more mutual benefit into it. Yeah. Bring more caring into it so yeah. that you wouldn't be embarrassed. That's right. That's, so I, I say declaring your intent is the best t- in test of what your intent really is. That's true. If That's you'd be true. embarrassed to declare it, find more mutual benefit, more caring. Yeah. Bring that into it. If you wouldn't be embarrassed, declare it. You watch what happens. Well, then you also have to live up to it. So if my intent is seemingly pure, then I can't go ugly in the conversation following. That's right. Everyone somewhere would say, I thought this was our intent. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. It kind of elevates everything that we're trying to do. It makes you be transparent now. And transparency is one of the key behaviors that builds trust. This is a practical way of putting it into action. Declare your intent. I love that. You can do that every day. Mm -hmm. And you're not doing it as a technique to manipulate people, but no, as part of how you build trust as a human being. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, I can't put enough emphasis on assuming positive intent as a parent, yeah. as a friend, as a partner. I'll tell you just a yeah, quick story on this. My, so my dad and my mom, my dad accidentally <laughs> left my mom on the side of the I road. I remember. <laughs> tell this story up in Idaho, right? Up, up in Idaho. I was driving back from a vacation. <laughs> my mom was driving. And my dad great. was sleeping. My mom pulls over because she's tired, so my dad gets in to drive. He he, uh, <laughs> my mom gets out and she says, "Hey, can you put the chassis down so I can get in the back seat better?" She closes the door. My dad, when he hears the door slam, thinks that she's in the car because he's half asleep. Yeah. You know, he, he just woke sleeping. up. He starts to take off. My mom's <laughs> chasing down the road, saying, "Hey, Stephen, 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 come back!" He just takes off on the road and and leaves her. And then someone on the other side of the road sees this happening. Calls the highway patrol to report that he just he saw just threw a man, yeah. <laughs> abandoned a woman on the side of the road. And he just no. witnessed it, you know. And so, the highway patrol comes, and you know what happened, man? Well, my my husband left me, but then she added, "But he thinks I'm in the car." <laughs> that is and, great. And, and the highway patrol says, "says Why would he think you're in the car? You're right here." No, no, trust me. You he don't know I'm my in the husband. Car. <laughs> he thinks I've fallen asleep, and he's trying to make really good time while I'm sleeping. That's great. <laughs> no, but she. You know, then they came back and they kind of realized what had happened. But my mother's starting point was not, you know, you what fool, a dummy. you jerk. Yeah. It was, he thinks I'm in the car. Beautiful. She loves my dad. My dad loves her, you know, when, when yeah. he's living. And and, uh, and she assumed positive intent. And it just changes things versus, you know, yeah. starting with that negative intent. Yeah. And think of that with your kids as a parent. Think of that in a relationship. It's a better starting point until mm-hmm. proven otherwise. Well, and imagine your dad when he gets he got pulled over, didn't he? Isn't well, that he how came they found back. it? Oh, he did. They he realized. Him. They called oh, that him. was it. The yeah. highway patrol and called him and said, "Hey, Mr. Covey, hello. Where are you?" <laughs> and, and and he actually said this. He goes, "Gosh, I don't know, officer. I've been." I've been asleep until about 10 minutes ago. Here, let me ask my, my wife. Where are we, and then he honey? he turns around, Sandra, Sandra, where are we, Oh, Sandra? that's great. And, and, then, and then he all of a sudden says, hey, officer, my wife is missing. Because <laughs> no, yeah, he's I've not. Got her right. She's right here. <laughs> Did, um, see, what's so powerful, though, is he must have felt so ashamed and, like, embarrassed maybe. But when he hears the story from her view, he realizes they lost nothing in this weird moment. 
Because of the trust. Trust was so high, it just efficiently was just a good story. That's right. It became a funny story. They trust each other. There was positive intent. There never even was a moment of Isn't that beautiful? But, you know, if there's low trust in a relationship. Talk about that. What do you do if your husband has been a jerk for years and there is low trust? Yeah. How do we rebuild that? And to what degree do I trust and then realize – I, got, I guess some of it's just working on me. I got to get my stuff, myself Look, strong enough. That, that, that's why I always highlight that it's smart trust. Because, yeah. you know, in a relationship especially, someone could be too trusting right. where they're being taken advantage of and, you know, stepped on time and again, in which case that's not smart at some point. Mm-hmm. And, and um, but again, so first step, start with yourself. Even when the other person is the primary mm-hmm. offender. Because you need to grow, you right. need to you need to have the trust for whatever comes ahead. That's right, and you'll gain you'll gain more clout, more influence, more credibility if you start with yourself, yeah. your character, your competence. You'll have more influence and ability to affect another person. But then, secondly, you might make a a behavior specific request of somebody, where you might say, "Hey, with me, you know, just be open and transparent. It's better than having a hidden agenda." With B. You know, don't make me a commitment you're not going to keep. It just works better that way. Yeah. And what I try to do is I try to separate the person from their behavior. And rather than attacking the person, instead I address the behavior and say, hey, you know what? Talk straight, you know, be straight with me. Yeah. Be open with me. Tell me the truth. You know, come straight to me if you have a problem instead of going behind my back. I make a behavior-specific request, and I give people the space to behave their way out of it. Mm-hmm. Look, some – May not. Some can't. They can't. Yeah. They're, they're just not they trustworthy. Won't. They don't want to. They don't want to go there. And in a case like that, you're not going to restore the trust. No. And it just might be that there's a low trust relationship or maybe the relationship breaks up. Right. But in other situations, you're allowing people also the chance to grow, to improve, mm-hmm. and, and to say, hey, I am not my behavior. I can choose to behave in a way that builds trust. I wasn't aware I was behaving in ways that was diminishing it. Sometimes they may or may not be aware. But the point is you're trying to say trust is learnable. Yeah. Through our credibility, through our behavior, and it's and it's necessary regardless. Absolutely, whether we save a marriage or not, whether we can close the deal or not, we if you lose your trust, you lose what? If you lose your trust, it affects everything else you're trying to do. It is yeah. a diminisher. It is a tax on everything you're doing as a person, as a leader, as a parent. Yeah, and and um, it takes you longer. It costs you more, but also it has a debilitating effect yeah. on every aspect of your life. But I'm a Matt, I'm not Pollyannish on this, mm-hmm. naive thinking. You get it. Just every, have trust everywhere. But I am a believer that we can behave our way into greater trust. And I, I saw it happen with my son. Yeah. When, when he turned 16, he was going to drive. And is this said, Britain? Yeah. No, this is actually <laughs> oh, no, okay. this is my Stephen, okay. my oldest. And yeah. he was excited to drive. This is a few years ago. And I said, my wife and I sat down with him and said, hey, driving's a privilege, not a right. So we went through the rules, you know, be safe, go to the speed limit, yeah. wear seatbelts. Well, after 30, day, 30 days of driving, you know, it was midnight on a Friday night. I hear the phone ring. My wife answers the phone. I hear her say, well, I'll let you talk, I'll let you talk to his father, officer. Oh, no. <laughs> and sure enough, it's the, the police. He's been pulled over for speeding, as in going 83 miles an hour in a 25-mile-an-hour in a oh, zone. Oh, Stephen. And, and uh, you know, he's a good kid. Yeah, he's a great kid. But he just had teenage judgment, you mm-hmm. know. And just he said, hey, Dad, I was trying to get home for a curfew, so I had to hurry really fast. <laughs> well, we played this thing out. We went to court. The judge fined him $555. We made him pay it, took away all of his savings. Yeah. But then the judge did not suspend his license, did not. So guess who did? 
You did. That's right. Dad, Dad did. and Mom did. That's great. Why? Because we wanted him to trust us. Yeah. And we felt like if we didn't hold him accountable to what we mutually agreed yeah. to, he wouldn't trust us. That's and true. neither would his siblings. Well, you know what? That was hard on him. He was embarrassed with his friends. It was hard on everyone. But after several months, he came back to me and said, Dad, I'm ready to drive again. I asked, are you clear about the rules? <laughs> he replied, I've never been more clear about anything in my life. <laughs> well, Matt has had a great end. That is cool. He became a model driver ever since. And we, how do we know? Well, we saw it, but we also heard from his friends, from his friends' parents. When they're going somewhere, their parents would ask, hey, where are you going? It's, and they'd hear, don't worry, Dad. Don't worry, Mom. Stephen we're Craig. going with Covey. <laughs> and it's all good. We are driving way below the speed That's limit. You know, so we're, we're wearing seatbelts. This is no yeah. fun at all. But he earned that reputation. What he did was he behaved himself out of the problem that he yeah. had behaved himself and into. And he became, he changed. He changed. And the That's trust power. only went back to where it was. It went yeah. higher than it ever was. And you facilitated it, that we can facilitate it by living it, by being it. By living it, by being it, and by giving people a chance to yeah. behave their way back into it. Stephen M. R. Covey. Folks, the book is The Speed of Trust. If you go to speedoftrust.com, you can find out more about it. Just You can find the book everywhere. Stephen, thank you. Great to be with you. Brilliant. Matt. Love you. You're Thanks. awesome. We'll take a break, folks. Come back and uh, wrap up the second hour of The Matt Townsend Show. Remember... There's good in the world. You have to go looking for it, or you can also become a part in creating it, as Stephen's been talking about. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is The Matt Townsend Show. It's the House of Bows. Welcome back, friends. It is the House of Bows. McKenna Bows is here, and she's going to be uh, doing a little mind bender for us. What have you got for us today, McKenna? I'm sort of talking about a little thing that has to deal with synesthesia. Have you heard of that? Synesthesia, yeah, I I have, right? The feeling of the ability to feel something that you sense. Yeah, so that's part of it. And Because sometimes it it can interact with all different senses. Sometimes it is very much a feeling thing Mm -hmm. where you... You see something and you have like a physical feeling reaction. Yeah. Other times it's you hear something and you have a taste in your mouth. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way. Or a taste yeah. and you see different colors. Uh-huh. Um, but today we're talking about one that's tied specifically between seeing and hearing. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about what's called visual evoked auditory response or VEER. The ability to veer. Veer off. Yeah. Visual evoked Evoked auditory auditory response. response. Yeah. So there's been these GIFs that have been sort of going around online on Twitter that have no sound attached to them. You know, GIFs are silent. Yeah. But people are watching them, and tons of people. So, so if somebody say they can doesn't hear know what a GIF is. It's a. It might be a, a picture. It might be like a two-frame or three-frame video. Yeah, it's like a short little like, video picture over and that over has no and sound. over. Right. Exactly. And so there is one in particular that's been going around on Twitter. It's this picture of these power lines. Yeah. And it's been animated to look like. There's another sort of power line tower in the middle of two of them, jumping rope. Yeah. And so you imagine something that big bouncing up and down. And when you see this image, even though there's no sound, you can hear this. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Boom. No, it's so true. I just did it. And we'll post it on on our show feed, at Dr. Matt Show. But you just watch these power lines, one of them jumping rope mm-hmm. with two other power lines Swinging, swinging the rope, the rope yep. or the wires, and you actually feel or hear or sense that the sound, the boom, noise. boom, exactly. And so, but it's not there. It's not there. It is entirely in your head. Yeah, and so it's this 
sort of illusion that's caused when our brain fills in things that it thinks it should be there. Yeah. And a big part of this is the fact that when we learn about our senses, you know, we learn about how we can taste and smell and hear, and we treat them like they're very isolated, right. they're each individual. But there's a lot of communication that happens between them. And I think an example we're probably most familiar of this is the idea like, oh, if you don't like how something tastes, plug your nose. Right, right. Because there is a connection there. And this happens with all of our senses. And the more communication and interconnectedness that your senses have, the more likely you are to be able to hear these sounds when you see these but, images. But it's interesting because it could also mean you're hearing sounds that don't exist. Yeah, and that can be really confusing for right. people. Um, and so that's people who really are straight up hearing. Like a lot of times, you know, you can maybe see somebody walking on the other side of the street and you hear their footsteps even though it's way too noisy for you to actually be able yeah. to hear their footsteps. Um it can be really sort of unnerving if you're like, what's going on? What's wrong with me? And you're totally normal. It's not maybe the most common thing, right. but there's a reason it's happening. And it's just because your senses really do a good job of talking to one another. And there is some evidence to show that if you grew up in really loud environments or you had like major hearing loss as a child and then gained it back, that de- developmentally, the different senses learn to be become codependent. Oh, and, and they play on each other more. Exactly. How fascinating, though, because it really it, – it does show you that your senses are could create a really wonderful, you know, multi-layered image for you. Yeah. Even without the sound existing. Exactly. That's powerful. It's really – it's interesting. It um, is interesting. And, and it also makes you feel like you almost – you got to be careful, too, because some things may not actually be happening that your brain is saying are happening. Yeah. And so – you know, sometimes people will be like, oh, uh, it happens a lot with flashing lights. People do yeah. you hear that hum. Do you hear that buzzing yep. of those flashing lights? There's actually no There's sound no going on there. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people – so people are giving you weird looks yeah. when you're mentioning it. That's a lot of times why Jeff hears stuff that it's not really there. Yeah, baby. Well done, McKenna. Great insight. Synesthesia That's what yep. we're calling it. Uh, watch out when it veers you away from life. Uh, interesting stuff. We'll continue the journey, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, along with Jeff and Terry. The gang is gathered. It is Monday and uh, really two weeks away from Christmas Day. We're counting it down. Yes! That's a song you should be listening to. Now, that is a song that belongs in the season. Right there. And honestly, we are going to give you today some great advice. Uh, We'll be joined by Karen Mangum a little bit later about how to avoid holiday weight gain. Which don't, don't look at the scale. Yeah, that's, that's one way. That's how to avoid it. Absolutely. But if you don't want to gain weight, there are maybe some tricks to how you go about eating at all of these Christmas parties you'll be engaging in. December first, wear heavy shoes. Oh, really? And then mm-hmm. as the month progresses, you don't wear those shoes anymore. Wear lighter shoes. Is that why you're wearing the Frankenstein boots? Yeah. I got my big boots on today, so by in a couple of weeks I take those them are, off. It looks like I lost two those pounds. Are ski boots you're wearing. 
Clankety clank. Uh, that's that's one way to do it. Uh, okay. Another way to do it would be to start a, a program like Jeff started. Yeah. You could also adopt that lifestyle that a certain number of people follow where you kind of just consume air. Oh. So yes. you kind of trick yourself yeah, into that thinking you that you're burps. full. That gives you the gas. Yeah. You don't want, you don't want those. And possibly starvation because air has no <laughs> nutritional value. Yeah. Well, it depends where you are. Right. There's some places where you can chew the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thick and rich. It's great. Well, there's water in the air, and water's good for you. Yeah, there's other stuff, too. Pesticides. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, we've got a lot to cover. Um, again, uh, apparently, President Trump, um, he's he's on the – he just knows how to stir the pot. Let's just put it that way. Huh. He's still – everyone was saying, hey, he's not tweeting as much. Right. But he still throws some tweets out there. Quite a bit. I mean, it's still – I think the rate is still at the same point as when he said he wasn't tweeting as much. Yeah. Yeah. So but, he hasn't really backed off at all. No. And now there's a problem uh, for him uh, starting to brew where the women that have alleged his sexual misconduct are now having a – they're having a conference today. A ta- They're going to – Address the press. Sixteen of them, I believe, is the number, and they're going to ask Congress for an ethics review of the president. Oh, boy. And his behavior in their accusations. Now, this just smells like Democrats are behind right. this. Oh, sure, yeah. Of course. Except these women made these allegations way back in the day. And even before that. Yeah. We had a guy on a year, year and a half ago in his book talking about all these women that have accused him over the years. Yeah. And three of those women will be on Megyn Kelly's show later today. Hmm. Oh, boy. Talking about, for the first time, all of them together talking about these accusations. Hold on. The Megyn Kelly that he yeah. had a little run-in with and made yeah. some statements about her? And then her experience at Fox News and yeah. things of that nature. That So it all comes together in this, this TV show. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if anyone's going to watch since Megyn Kelly's ratings are what mm, they are. But, but it might draw people in because it's yeah. a topical thing. Well, but, and again, Al Franken just resigned or is going to resign officially sometime true. soon. True. Begrudgingly, yeah. With, with all these other things that he's been able to successfully shrug off, though, don't you think he'll be able to do the same with this? Well, yeah, except, you know, who would have thought Al Franken would have resigned so easily? I don't know that I don't know that this will lead to him resigning. No, but it, it's going to probably lead to a really long, exhausting year for the rest of us in 2018. So you don't think it was because they genuinely wanted Al Franken gone? Was it more along the lines of this will set things up to where it will set a precedent, like you talked yeah. about, to where it'll be easier to get rid of some of these Republicans that we don't I like? Think, I think that's part of it. And I think, you know, the, once you have 18 accusers or eight accusers or six accusers, whatever mm-hmm. Franken had. And a photo. And we'll a photo. the photo and he admitted yeah. that's what I did. You, that's hard to stop. And I mean, but the president didn't have the same impact. And then Al Franken brought up the president in mm-hmm. his apology or whatever we're calling that, his statement. About he resigned. Resigning. He yeah. never mentioned him by name. No. Nope. So it could have been, well, I guess he did say currently resides in the Oval Office. <laughs> well, I guess that yeah. does it, doesn't it? So it's, it, it, it is an interesting, it's an interesting advancement, I guess, of, of this. Narrative. Narrative. There you go. The hashtag Me Too world now apparently addressing the president. Hmm. Interesting, because those there were already statements made years and years and years ago that they were apparently and, overlooked. And ignored. Yeah. 
Well, as he ignored them and then P- then he says other crazy things and people just move on because yeah. they're like, wait a second, what did he just do? And then it's all distraction. Bah. Well, uh, let's let's do this then. Let's get to the rest of the headlines we should be paying attention to um, and then uh, more fun. Uh, Terry, what should we be focused on? Maine Republican U.S. Senator said on Sunday that Alabama petition or politician Roy Moore was unfit to serve in the Senate even before sexual misconduct allegations against him came to light. Senator Susan Collins made the comments on CBS's Face the Nation Sunday. She called the Republican National Committee's decision to support Moore in the Alabama race a mistake. Collins said she thought Moore was a poor choice for Senate because his view of Muslims and gays even before she learned of the misconduct allegations. She also said that his troubles, uh, that she's troubled that Moore has been removed from the Alabama Supreme Court twice for failure to follow lawful judicial orders. And uh, there's also dueling robocalls in the state of Alabama today. Dueling Uh, robocalls. President Trump for Roy Moore (laughs) and Barack Obama for Doug Jones. Oh, boy. So they're both, they both have recorded presentations that will yeah. be bombarding voters and non-voters and people they want to vote. They want to motivate people to get out to vote. Everybody, get out there. The polls show that the Alabama race is a dead heat. Yeah. And if wow. you go look at, say, like a real clear politics, that's where they're saying it's a dead heat. Yeah. And they've been talking for a while that a lot of the polls that they show or when they, when they, when they have them there, they're like a week or two old. Right. These aren't like current polls every day. It's not like they're polling every single uh, every single day. So the numbers kind of move around all the time. So it's all basically um, we'll see who shows up to vote. That's how boy, it's going to oh work. Boy, boy. Foreign ministers in 22 Arab League nations issued a statement Sunday saying President Trump's decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel this past week is a dangerous development that places the United States as a, as at a position of bias in favor of the occupation of Palestine and the violation of international law and resolutions. The statement asked Trump to make a uh, retraction. Failing that, signatory states will petition the United Nations Security Council to pass a resolution denouncing the decision, Hmm. which critics say will impede the Israel-Palestine peace process. Trump argues in the announcement it's nothing more or less than recognition of reality as Israel's government is based in Jerusalem. Wow. Hmm. So governments are against it. We'll see where that goes. Um, This is kind of a uh, uh, Governor Jerry Brown of California says this is kind of the new normal. Said Saturday of the massive wildfires in Southern California that have claimed at least one life and burned tens of thousands of acres. With climate change, some scientists saying that Southern California is literally burning up. So we have to have the resources to combat the fire, and we also have to invest in managing the vegetation and forests in a place that is getting hotter. Fires in the northern part of the state will uh, have killed, they killed more than 40 people in the fall, Yeah, right? And or earlier this year, and uh, 8,000 structures went down. Dry, windy conditions have made the blazes now burning near Los Angeles and San Diego more difficult to contain. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So we'll see if the winds the winds keep picking up the wind they blowing off the desert there the the only part that um, I think is is saving the whole western United States is the fact that all that smoke is blowing out to sea yeah thank heavens if it was blowing the other way it'd be all over well and too bad for you know Hawaii <laughs> yeah they're probably probably experiencing <laughs> a lot of that Asia yeah mm. uh, finally nobody really seems to like company holiday parties. Oh, why is what? that? You wear this? You're just saying that because you're not going to ours. No, it says it right here on this article I was reading. Oh, I see. Well, it's not a personal opinion. You, you could still. <laughs> go I don't to like that. parties in general. Let's just. Yeah, <laughs> you could go to ours still. You could. I could. No. Yeah. 
So, I mean, are you going to? No, I, I'd have to leave my kid. Bring him. Go go drive up there, get him, bring him back. I he can be two. your plus one. Go I get, have go two get them. children. Bring, bring them. Should I bring a Jeff one-year-old? Jeff will take one. Yeah, Jeff would love to take one. Wait, 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 wait. My wife is my plus one. Yeah. It's great. Proud of you. Uh, Terry's <laughs> going to need you to watch his kid. <laughs> your your daughter could come for free. She's within that free age range. I'm not that person that brings the one-year-old to the movie. Yeah, but we just, just did the other day, You're and that... he was a, he was a saint the entire movie. Saint so... Sloss. See, no. and I know my daughter; she won't be. <laughs> she'll get mad, and she'll want to go do something. She likes she, she hates being held. Saint Saint Stoss. She'll run away. So as it Sloss. goes on, Stanislaus. Many parties, many companies now are canceling their open bars that are, are oh, staples. Good. That's because yeah. for the better. That's for the best. The current climate. They're getting of the news. Harassment that and stuff. Doesn't so work. That's one development. Another one. Silicon Valley has had a hack to make them better. Bloomberg reported Thursday that a record number of tech companies are paying modeling agencies to send beautiful people to their office parties as fake guests. <laughs> And what's funny, there's a show on HBO called Silicon Valley, which makes fun of this, yeah. the Silicon Valley. Yeah. And they had an entire party that nobody there actually worked. The whole party, <laughs> was, this was a couple of years ago. No one was working. This. So this has been going on for a while. They made fun of it. Now it's actually the, uh, Bloomberg's reporting on it. And they note that the real Silicon Valley has a history of hiring models for work events, but the hired hands are usually deployed at trade shows and product launches where tech companies want their associates, uh, they want to associate their products with good-looking people. So they want, like, the model holding the device. Yeah, or, or like, right? the spinning table with the yeah. car on it and the model. Right, and yeah. then you're like, oh, look, there's someone attractive mm-hmm. next to it. And that's, Does she come with the car? Yeah, that's how that works. But now companies are increasingly interested in ambiance and atmosphere models, Yeah, Bloomberg explains, who are there to add a general uh, je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. To the experience. I don't know what that means. But what? <laughs> so you walk into the party, and instead of seeing all the people you work with, you see the people you work with intermixed with like, wow, these people are actually attractive. Well, then you also see your your people gawking at the pretty people that they've hired to stand there and be pretty. Right. And the article goes in and talks about how they would um, give the hired models some incentive. Oh, boy. They have to go around and mingle with people instead of just stand amongst themselves. You know, they have to actually go introduce. Could you mingle more? Could you mingle more? So there's like a point process. Are you serious? Yeah. So they can go and like fill out the scorecard of how many people they met type of thing. Yeah. That's kind of strange. Yeah. I wouldn't go to to that extreme to, you know, avoid having to do a Christmas party or to spice things up a bit. Well, how how bad is this? company like i mean that your well, people don't know the, the stereotype of silicon valley is yeah. introverted nerd in your mom's basement right right so just couldn't you just have a you know an, a, a game boy or an ibox what are they called a d- an ibox ps station what? like a PlayStation, playstation xbox have like just, 10 of those set out yeah. and they're all happy <laughs> but at some point you want to have like an adult christmas party not just go well, play video games We'll just put the bowl of well, Doritos yeah, so, out. So the way we do that is we bring in models. <laughs> We're trying to figure – there's people that are introverted, Matt, and they're trying to get them out of their shell. Well, And they want to make the party look like it's fun and interesting to be at. For who? Just, but if it's going to be fun for the introverted nerdy guys, let them play PlayStation. You want to have people talking about your Christmas party. Hey, this is all about image. They've actually hired yeah. some celebrities to make an appearance at our Christmas party. Oh, wow. Mark Hamill's going to be there. 
Wow. Daisy Ridley. Oh, my heavens. That's great. Carrie Fisher. Really? She's going to make one last Hold. appearance. Uh, yeah. I thought she was has passed. That was too soon. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awkward. <laughs> yeah, you, really can't, you can't count guests that are on a, a film that's going to air during Boy, the that's just, that was embarrassing. Yeah. So that would leave us with the celebrity, the likes of Matt Townsend at the party? Oh, am I the celebrity? Is he the celebrity? <laughs> that is a boring. But uh, you know, I I've, I am one of those beautiful people. Eh. Are you going to have a copy of your book with you? I, everywhere I go, I carry one right under my shoulder, right under my arm. You're so going to you use it as like a seat placeholder. Like, oh, I'm just going to save this seat. Let me just put this right nice here. Yeah. yeah. Is there a problem yeah. with that? This is emergency signed copy. Yeah. He just has it in you know, yeah, break in case break glass in case of emergency. Right. Right. Exactly. I don't Someone either. asks you, like, oh, buy yes, I do have a signed copy of my own book. Here you so go. I think maybe this is an indicator of what BYU Broadcasting, how they feel about your book. I brought your book to include in my employee photo, and they did not use that photo. Yeah. Mm. That was so rude. But did you see that photo? No, I didn't see any of the unused I, photos. I saw that. You're, it wasn't a great photo. It's not the one you'd want to use. <laughs> one eye was open. One eye was closed. No, that was my photo that they actually used. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Apparently, we, we've hit a nerve here. There's You guys are frustrated by those pictures. Do not enjoy oh, the yeah. pictures at all. They told me to wear this funny, wacky suit, and then they did this extreme close-up to where you can't even see the suit. I gave them everything. I gave them like a million and a half poses. I was a photographer's dream that day. And then they select some photo where I'm slightly looking off in the distance. Yeah. Yeah. Boring. Um, I'm sorry you're still affected by this. I really am. I, you know, I wish you weren't hurting this bad. But those pictures were really bad. (laughs) They were horrible. The deal is you've invested too much time caring about it. Mine was just as horrible, well, but I gave up even in, trying until or we go caring. to a until we go to a company meeting and they want to honor you for something and that's the yeah. photo they want to use. And you're like, yeah. give me a break. Yeah. It's the At sunk, least use my driver's license. It's yeah. better than that. It's the sunk costs theory. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we've already put this much time and effort into it. We gotta keep it going. You keep trying yeah, you keep trying to chase it down. I'm sorry you went through that, boys. Mm. Anyway, um, there's more to cover. Uh, the Globes, I don't know if you've heard about them. I golden heard Globes. They were golden at one point. So. Yeah. And, oh. Oh, the music starts playing every I time. I have some numbers here for you, if Ooh. you care. By the way, uh, we asked earlier who was hosting the Golden Globes, and it's actually going to be Seth Meyers. Ooh, oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Mm. Can you imagine Must the jokes NBC. that are going to yeah. fly at this Golden Globes? Because half of the people that usually come aren't going to be there, yeah, either because they've been stripped of their membership. Don't use the word stripped. Or, <laughs> or it would just be awkward if they were there. Yeah. You know? They, Nobody wants you here. Right. Oh, that, it's so, so true. And I don't think you've heard of any of these movies. The Shape of Water. Nope. No. Not out yet. Seven nominations. Wow. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, by the way, uh, what does Guillermo mean in English? I have no idea. William. Oh. oh. William Del Toro. Like Gerald or something. Yeah. It's about a woman who's mute that falls in love with a monster, I believe. Uh, the Post. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six the... nominations. Yep. Again, not out yet. Yep. 
Not one we've seen. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Hmm. Huh. Six That's nominations. One, almost one for every word in the title. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lady Bird with four. Okay. Yep. All the Money in the World with three. Uh, hmm. Yep. Call Me By Your Name, three. Wow. Hmm. Again, I don't know if any of these have been out. I think this is the what end about of Hollywood. Dunkirk? You know Dunkirk? Yeah, there's one. And The Greatest hmm. Showman, also not out. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, of the first five or six you've mentioned, Dunkirk is the only one that's out. Yeah, yep. it's out on video now. But all those movies will come out g- either over Christmas or near New Year's, and then they'll be out in January, and then you can go watch all the movies right before the Golden Globes. Let me give you some TV shows. I'll give you five of okay. those. Oh, okay. Uh, the top nominations, Big Little Lies with six nominations. Right. Okay. Nicole Kidman's in that. Feud, Betty and Joan. That was on FX. Four nominations. Wow, you guys. Fargo I... Season 3, yeah, yeah. three <laughs> nominations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Handmaid's Tale. That's a little surprising. It only got three because I think it did really well last year. It's on yeah. Hulu. Yeah. Or it did really well at the Emmys. This Is Us. I know you watched yeah. that. Three nominations. Yeah, I watched part of that, yeah. You've just been churning yeah. through that. Is Longmire on there? No, uh, no Longmire. Stranger Things only got two. Huh? For That's best best so series, strange. and I believe uh, David Harbor. They overdid it with the Dormagoggins or Gag- what are they called? Dorma Dorma those Demagogans. The mon- there you go. Demagorgans. There the we monsters. go. Gormadogans. The monsters. Too many monsters. Yeah. David Harbor, who is going to be Hellboy. Yeah. Which was a film directed by Guillermo del Toro, which is William. In William Spanish. del Toro. Yeah. So it all comes full, full circle. It all comes back to Guillermo this year. See how it finished with the music with a flourish? Wow. Um, okay, so what I'm pretty much clear on is I'm not going to be caring about the Golden Globes. <gasps> no, mainly because all the movies you haven't seen or won't see. And those, and most of those TV shows I would not yeah, have yeah. seen. So either it's rated R or it's not out yet. <laughs> what You'd think that with all these Marvel shows coming mm, out, you, that right. more of them would be... They get more of the technical awards. Yeah. People, do. people don't uh, value the acting brilliance in these movies. Come again? Um, the brilliance? Like in Thor, I mean, there was a guy who played a big green, like, rage monster, and he's just not getting the credit. The Hulk? Yeah. yeah. Mark Ruffalo? Yeah, he's just not getting the credit for his depiction of a big nine-foot rage monster. Well, you know how hard it is to pull off a big... Yeah, rage that's why he should get more credit when it comes to his acting ability. Many you of know, them have said. Many people in this very this very building have said you are about a six foot rage monster mm-hmm. at times. Not green though. No, but I could turn green. I'm disappointed that film wasn't nominated for best animated feature. Which right Thor? There's a lot of Ragnarok. animation because it's mainly animated. It's all CG. Yeah. No, I think a lot of that was not CG. Really? I think a lot really? of it was real. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. cool. This is a neat. That like when they were movie. on Asgard running down the Rainbow Bridge, that was all real? Yeah. Cool. All right. I never thought of it as the Rainbow Bridge. That's what it's called. Isn't that what a unicorn no, runs in on? No, it's what Thor uses to, to travel to the Nine Realms. Come on. <sighs> Come on. You know, when you put it that way, it seems boring. It's all detailed in the movie. They show the tree and it's a bunch of different I think Hollywood's branches. in trouble. Why? Because all of those movies, nobody knows about them. But the thing is, is they put them out and people will go see them. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's going to be a joke at the Golden Globes where Seth Meyers is going to say, do you think if Christopher Plummer wins for all the money in the world, he's going to thank Kevin Spacey? I guarantee you there will be that type of a joke. Okay, let's let's bank on that and then we okay. will play the joke 
And then okay. you can say, I told you so. Time and date stamped December 11th, 927 AM. We'll see if you are going to really be the movie buff that we think you are. And are you going to, because you remember stuff that really should have been forgotten a long, 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 long time ago. Like that whole list of. I remember stuff from past lives. Come again. When you were a goat in India. Do you remember that one? Those were good times. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, ah, we're doing what we can, folks, to help you to help lift your life and, and get you through at least the basics of the Golden Globes with all of those movies and television shows that you've never even heard of. <laughs> Sounds like a real winner. Straight up, we're going to be talking with Karen Mangum about how to avoid holiday weight gain. She's our new our nutritionist and trying to keep us healthy in this life. Uh, this is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be healthy. Friends, to the program. Hey, you know, it's that time of year when you could gain 10 pounds without even thinking about it. And if you don't think about it, you will. Uh, joining us to help understand it and understand how to live healthy through the season is Karen Mangum. She's a licensed and registered dietitian, seasoned recipe developer, food blogger, nutrition consultant. She is the author and producer of Inside Karen's Kitchen, which is a healthy food blog where she shares recipes that nourish and heal along with insightful nutrition musings. We love having her on the show. She also has to have happens to have a child uh, that's the the quarterback for BYU football, wonderful uh, Tanner Mangum. But uh, Karen is the real deal. Karen, thanks for being with us again today. Oh, I'm happy to be here, Matt. Thank you. How fun is this? Now, are you? Do you love the Christmas season, um, or or where does it fit in your world of holiday <laughs> love? Oh, I I adore the Christmas season. I think it's a lot of fun. I think that for mothers, though, I will admit. Um, it's a lot of work. It, it can is. be if you if you you know if you've established these traditions and you feel like every year you have to meet those traditions. This year, actually, for the one of the first times, we're going to be heading to my son's house in Portland for Christmas. Ooh. And and because my nest is empty for the first time in 32 years, I it's changed the way I have done things this year. I've been traveling. We went to Hawaii for the BYU's last football game yeah. over Thanksgiving. I came home, and a week later, I um, actually have been down in Provo uh, visiting my daughter, who plays on the BYU basketball team. So we've been going to games there and celebrating her birthday. I literally just got back last night. I haven't put a thing <laughs> Christmas-related up in my home. Oh. Nothing. No, but you know what? Today, or it's never going to get done. That's okay, right? I mean, but I mean, it's just it well, does that's turn what in. I'm like, it's something it's different. It's okay this year. It's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with it. No, I think it's and, it's great. Um, What's your daughter's name, by the way? Fine. What's your daughter? Abby. Abby? Abigail. Oh, that's great. Uh-huh. And because yeah. uh, how are we doing? How's BYU basketball doing? Well, they had a very big win on Saturday to beat the University of Utah, and. Um, uh, they weren't expected to win, so that's made it even better. Utah has a very good team, and uh, our girls just really stepped up. Abby is a redshirt freshman, so she's going to um, 
not play this year and, and learn and yeah. uh, then hopefully join the join the team next year. That's but great. she but she's on the bench cheering and doing you know, going traveling with the team and it's been a lot of fun mm. for her. And how fun for you guys. Um because but you're going to Portland, so what what happens when the expert nutritionist goes to have Christmas at another house. Well, I will share some, you know, I'll help my daughter-in-law um, put together a wonderful meal. We'll enjoy some of the celebrations there. But I have to admit, the focus for going there is being together as a family. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's going to be our main deal. And we have a little grandson who we all dote on, yep. upon, and... He is the center of all of our lives, it seems, right now. And and yet um, this will be really the first time in a long time that our family has all been together. So it'll be great. That's awesome. So what are some yeah. rules that we, we all can live if we want to eat healthier during this time of season? I guess and still participate, right? Still partake. Oh, yes. And so the rules really are... Um, they're, they're relaxed, they're flexible, they hopefully incorporate a lot of the things that you're already doing and give you permission, basically, to enjoy uh, much of the celebration of the holidays. And the first one really is get moving. Mm. I mean, get your body going. If you um, haven't already started at least walking, you know, get to the mall, go somewhere warm, start walking inside is great. Um, and then if you have a gym membership, perfect, use it, you know, don't hesitate to, um, you know, keep your appointment with the gym because that's going to make a big difference. It will allow you to feel more comfortable to eat your goodies here or there so that you can burn those calories and stay stay fit. Yeah, and find a way. I know in your blog you talk about finding a way to make it more easy for you just by maybe, you know, distracting you or entertaining you. Get a book on tape or you know, listen to a podcast or a blog, find something you love uh-huh. so it's not as painful. Oh, that's the best. In fact, uh, research so, shows that if you watch a television show while you exercise, you're going to exercise longer because you, you don't want to get, you, you want to finish the show. You want to finish yeah. the podcast, whatever it is. So you will be on there longer. And it's a good diversion from the holiday hoopla. You want to, um, you know, get your mind focused on things that are um, wholesome or maybe even just a distraction or, you know, maybe it's a football game you're watching on TV, whatever it is. But get get yourself moving. Always incorporate that into your day. That's great. And uh, you even suggest put on a little music, start dancing when you're cleaning. Exactly. I oh. like that. When maybe oh, you yeah. clean the house for the holiday party, so you might as well make it an aerobic experience. <laughs> That's great. I mean, my kids would think I'm crazy. At your parties, always try to serve some fruits and vegetables. I know that's kind of a crazy idea, but if you focus on getting even just chopped up fruits and vegetables at at any kind of event, like if you go to a holiday party, make sure you find the – there's always going to be a fruit or vegetable platter. And so make sure you fill up on those things because – um, they're going to make uh, give you the nutrients that you need to stay healthy through the holidays so you don't get sick. Because if you just load up on goody calories, you're not going to feel great. So even if it's a big pot of soup, mm. make a big pot of vegetable soup. I've got a great um, vegetable soup recipe on my blog. Uh, and I make this, and I, that ensures that when I get home from a busy day of shopping, that there's always 
some kind of a, um, a dish full of vegetables that I can enjoy. In fact, just last uh, Friday, I was on Studio 5 yeah. with our friend Brooke Walker, and I did a delicious um, vegetable-filled chicken curry. Mm. And uh, it's very tasty, and, and the uh, recipe is at the on the Studio 5 website as well as my food blog. InsideKaren'sKitchen.com is where right. they can find that. And you, you suggest to make sure, as you're going through the holiday season, that you're aiming for five a day, right? Five servings yeah. five of fruits or vegetables. Day. And that's a lot for people. I mean, if you can – that's just sort of a minimum. Um, lately, I've been reading a lot of things about making sure you're getting – even up to 10 servings a day. But if you can work to get five, you're doing great, and then work your way up. But, you know, a lot of it just comes from preparation, like bringing vegetables home and cutting them up into little packs. In fact, these days, a lot of grocery stores are doing that for you. They're cutting up your vegetables, and Mm. I know it might cost a little bit more, but maybe it's worth it to you so that they're ready to go and you can just grab and go. Yeah, that's it. I found if I can just grab a bag and a banana, a bag of uh-huh. apples that are cut already and a banana and two or three other just, I mean, the grapefruit. I, I love uh, this, the packaged grapefruit. Probably not great for you because it's, I'm sure, got sugar in it. Um, oh, that's okay. But, but you know, you want fill myself up with that fruit. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Fill yourself up with those things. And and I have a little, you know, rule that you've got to have, you got to get all those five fruits and vegetables in before you enjoy any cookies or holiday treats in the day. So get those in first, and then you'll feel good about adding a little bit of goodie. Oh, that's great. That. Yeah, that's great yeah. advice. Another one, another piece of advice you give us is to control the risk of for your temptations. I mean, there are certain things that you are going to be drawn to, and we got to somehow yes. cut those off. Well, a lot of people who work at offices, office break rooms probably are the most tempting places in the world <laughs> um, because everybody's bringing in their holiday goodies to share yeah. and to, you know, express their love for their fellow workers. To get rid of members. them, really, because well, we don't want them at home. Really, yeah, that's exactly. They get rid of them, so they bring them to work. And um, so your challenge is, you know, can I avoid the break room? Can I, again, grab my little baggies of of vegetables before I eat the holiday goodie? Um, And just, you know, decide um, what my goals are during the holidays, you know, that um, keep the goodies in the break room, maybe not at the front desk. Um, Go to the break room maybe only once a day and grab your, like, Take a little inventory of what's there and then grab what you feel like is your what you want, you know, your favorite. So, And, um, and you're okay with that. If you have a favorite, go have your oh, favorite, yeah. but limited to so one a day. Yes, exactly. Just, you know, make it – if it, if it is something that you're doing daily. Now, here at my house, honestly, I haven't done hardly any baking. <laughs> Normally, I have caramels, you know, coming out of my ears. Because I, I make these caramels, and I but I give them away to friends. But I don't even have any of them here in the house this year. So it's been very interesting now that there's – so one of the things you could do is just, like, not make anything. Yeah. <laughs> but you're always going to be surrounded by them. And so um, choose to just limit yourself um, to a few – or, sorry, one, one a day. Decide what it is that's most important to you. Either leave it to the end of the day where you can really enjoy it or wherever you are, 
enjoy it, and then, you know, move on that day. Yeah, and have, and I guess this gets to your next point, focus on the things that matter most. I mean, the things that matter most in the season probably shouldn't just be the food. Well, I think that this is a tough one for a lot of people because um, sometimes in the holidays, it's not a happy time. Right. Um, You know, you're missing family. You feel like you um, are alone um, or maybe there's too much pressure. And um, and so I have to admit, the, the holidays can be a very, very rough time for a lot of people. I've got patients who... Um, you know, in my bariatric world with my bariatric patients who, um, because they have to limit the amount of food that they eat, um, fortunately for a lot of them, they don't have, um, they lose their sensation or taste for sweets, which is really a good thing. And so for those patients, honestly, they start focusing on things that have a lot more to do with family and maybe they travel or maybe they shop for something that they haven't been able to enjoy before, like a, a new dress or a new, you know, some type of an outfit. And those are some of the fun things that they, um, I'm finding that I'm learning from them, hmm. that if food is not the focus, what is it going to be? And it's going to be things that probably matter a little bit more, like going to a holiday concert um, or serving a neighbor, taking a, a basket of, of uh, a meal over or holiday toys to a family in need, working at the food bank. And, you know, there's just all so many different kinds of things you can do that really have nothing to do with holiday goodies or um, food. And, uh, for example, when I was talking about going over to Portland, you know, visiting my family, that's going to be a really fun time. Yes, we'll eat. We'll enjoy healthy and, and maybe not so healthy food through that um, experience, but it's going to be together mm. and laughing and joking and movies and um, zoo lights and you know, there's a lot of fun things that you can do. That's it, and I, I too just and knowing that you are you're getting healthier. I mean, I guess part of this is just remembering why we're doing this. It's not to torture uh-huh. us. It's it, we really are just oh. trying to be healthier. I I agree, and and. Uh, you know, the average weight gain during the holidays is about five to seven pounds. Oh, wow. And, um, and that's easily done through kind of from Thanksgiving on. I mean, I have to admit, Hawaii was tough for me. We just stayed <laughs> out a lot, and we did move. We hiked, and we did some fun things. The weather wasn't great over there, so we just found other things to do, and we walked a ton. Um, but there was definitely a lot of food. So starting Thanksgiving through the um, New Year's, that's a, that's a long period of time. That's about six weeks of time. And um, get out and walk your dog. Yeah, get out, <laughs> go buy a dog, and then start walking it. What, yeah. Karen, any other advice? What, what would you say is if there's one thing to remember when it comes to our wonderful food um, at holiday time, is it, what's the one thing to just keep in mind? Well, I would say don't don't say never. You know, I think that's a really negative attitude because there's going to be some things that you eat during the holidays that you don't get any other time of the year. Hmm. So don't deprive yourself. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. Don't deprive yourself. Enjoy the the goodies, the unique um, 
oh, the unique fun food uh, aspects of the holidays, that's not a problem at all. But you've got to balance it with the added exercise, with the added um, fruits and vegetables. Um, and, and then just, you know, enjoy the time together with family. Um, uh, I hope that that's a, a wonderful time for everybody and you can um, leave 2017 with a really good feeling about how you spent your time at the holidays. That's it. And that's beautiful insight. Uh, Karen Mangum's her name. Karen, thank you so much for your great uh, work. And the website is, again, InsideKarensKitchen.com. InsightKarensKitchen.com. Wonderful mother, uh, spouse, and just has wonderful insights as well on how we can all stay healthy and remember the real reason of the season, right? Uh, and, and be healthy. How about that? Straight ahead, two of the healthiest. Uh, BYU Sports Nation will be joining us. Spencer and Jerem, find out what's coming up on their world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Talk about good. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Welcome back, friends. Little harmony from our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation, right down there in Studio B. Mm. We're going to shoot it down. Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Hello. man. Hello, Gavna. You guys, I like this song. Doesn't it make your toe tap? It makes me think of the Avengers. Does it? Yeah. No. Guardians. <laughs> yeah. Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, indeed. But um, speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy, there was a Beehive Classic. Um, so there were a bunch of Beehives. Yeah. And uh, whoever, which school caught the most honey, uh-huh. probably not the right verb, but gathered, yeah. acquired the most honey wins. Mm-hmm. And Utah and BYU gathered the most honey. Lots of honey so, gathering. They move on to the championship game Saturday in Provo. Now, okay, that's not actually true. It did, they did, they just had that game set up. Already. They they already had that set up because yeah. the classic. It, it's I get it. I mean, we want this teams in Utah to play each other, but I think so. It, I mean, it just there, seemed, there was one school recently that didn't. Yeah, there was exactly. But this year they're going to play. Now they're playing, and yeah. so, but these two games are really not related. So, is there really any reason? I mean, it seems like the classic would be like a little contest that seems like in two days you could you could have a tournament champion. You know, the classic champion. Well, there aren't eight schools. There are six. Yeah. So Southern Utah and Utah Valley uninvited. Yeah, that's Alanis Morissette saying about. In the oh yeah, late nineties and that messed. 2000s. Yeah. That messed things up. Yeah. So uh, next year, BYU will play Utah in the Beehive Classic in Salt Lake. Mm. That'll be fun. That's exciting. Neutral site. Absolutely. Sort of down the street from uh, the okay. UK's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it, – it just seems like a it just seems like a weird almost tournament, but really one-night game. Let's do neutral site at, at – uh, you know, in Draper. Yeah. At Alta. Ooh, do it. School next year. Uh, do it Corner Canyon, actually. At Corner Canyon. <laughs> yeah, that's where you'd want to go for Draper. Just because I on top of happen to live there. Point of the Mountain. Yeah, yeah right. do that. Do that. It used to be Point of the Mountain. You could do like it at the, the, the Utah Penitentiary Gym, Gymnasium. Oh, can you imagine? Play it there. Hey, <laughs> what do you think about um, – I, I hear good news about BYU-Utah females ba- in, in women's basketball. 
Oh, what a performance. The, 36 the points Cougars for beat. our good friend Cassie Broadhead DeVagere. DeVagere. Sounds yes. like a perfume. We've talked about this. You yeah. remember this, right, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. DeVagere. Find it at your local Big Lots. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I, bad cologne. I love getting him, my man. cologne at Big Lots. Jeez, we ought to say JCPenney. Just say it. Yeah. <laughs> Available at JCPenney. <laughs> Big Lots is just so good. <laughs> so great. <laughs> we need to record that and make make a commercial. Oh, we've, we've already started that process. Okay, get on it. Devagere. Yeah, we, we we have a drop for that. That's <laughs> a little cool. montage. <laughs> but they did it. They they beat a, a, a Pac-12 team. That no, was they, Let's not go there with those guys. A really, girls. really gratifying <laughs> win, given that BYU women's basketball had been on a four-game losing streak. Ooh, they lost yeah. to Northern Colorado, and then they beat Utah. Yeah, wow. of course. You want to know why, Matt? Because that's BYU sports. Well, Lately. yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. Sometimes why that else? is BYU sports, but uh, some young lady named Sarah Hampson, who happens to be six feet seven inches, Ooh. was available because the volleyball team lost on Friday. So she got back at midnight, went into film at 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday to get ready for the Utah game and finished with nine blocks and nine rebounds. And did it. How cool is that? The greatest three-point performance in basketball history. Yes, she almost had a double-double without points. Wow. Just blockage. And rebounds, yeah. Jeff had some blockage once that put him into the world record category. Yeah, in the hospital. Um, this is, this, it seems like Jeff Judkins would have had a really great post-game speech. What did he say? We actually have audio of that. Did you, okay, so you're going to play that. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Okay. Go roll it. Hit it. Hit it. Oh, we came to play today against the defender. It was awesome. 22 for the, are you kidding me? This reminds me of me at Highland High. <laughs> go, go. By the way, I was at Highland High a few years after him. Really? Yeah. Not was, he a, was he a legend? Oh, he's iconic. Oh, yeah. He was awesome, right? Yeah, he was incredible. He played at that school up north. Jeff Judkins. Found his way later in life. Uh-huh. Yeah. Married his wife. Uh, I think Mary Kay is her name. Came from my, my ward, my local church unit. What? Mm-hmm. From your congregation? His nephew is one of my good high school friends, David Bolt. Good times. There you go. I'm telling you. I, Jeff, and by the way, it's great that you could just throw up audio like that. It's just like, it's like out of nowhere <laughs> you Listen, grab it. Our, our audio team is unbelievable. Yeah, no, they're the best. Led by Don Rigby and Scott Sands. Yeah, they're incredible. Incredible. Um, okay, anything else on your show that we need to, we need to get out there so that we can yes. just get as yes. many listeners? Yes, we buried the lead. What BYU offensive coordinator candidate? Candidate. <laughs> May have tipped his hand Ooh. Ooh. over the weekend. What? We oh. will tell you. Oh, yeah. Plus, Jimmer goes off. Jamal Williams goes off. Who had the best weekend? It was a weekend I, for the ages. BYU baseball's first baseball Hall of Famer. Really? Yep. We'll tell you who it is. Oh, my And heavens. what it means, Matt! Why are you yelling? Jerem just likes to do that occasionally. He scared me. When I sense that the intensity is too low. Yeah, you brought and up. And then the random yells begin. Random yelling. To yeah. increase no, it, it happens. The pulse, correct. Yep. When Jeff doesn't have enough sugar in his system, he does the same thing. He just random yells. Is he shaved yet? Uh, yeah, he has. Okay, I mean half of his face. It's awkward. Okay, all right. Well, guys, it sounds like a winner. Another winner show from uh, you guys at BYU Sports Nation. We appreciate you giving us just even a minute of your time. It's so valuable, so exclusive, and so full of shouting. That it makes you wonder, 
Why are they shouting? I also like, too, that they're doing um, – I think they caught that from us, Jeffrey, because we've done we've done commercials per, for perfume. Oh, yeah. I mean, and other things. Yeah. Well, none yeah. of them were ever perfume commercials, but they were just products that sounded like perfume. Like like the same genre. There was like the $2,000 pizza, mm. the, the uh, Cheeto that sold for like hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> yeah. on eBay. Those are the days. Legos. But mm-hmm. none of – I mean they sounded just like a perfume, perfume commercial, but mm-hmm. no perfume. Yeah. Which you, you don't know how hard that is to do. Perfume commercials just have that certain je ne sais quoi. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Thanks for the translation. Um, We always like to end with a hero story. And today, again, it it happened again. Listen to this. It was a late morning Friday two weeks ago when Anival Angulo rounded the corner onto a quiet back street in Las Vegas and noticed smoke rising from an apartment at the far end of the block. As he got closer, he saw the dark haze billowing out of the doors. Then he heard children screaming. Angulo, a 36-year-old who was homeless, sprang into action, jumping over a gate and rushing toward the sound of the cries, according to the Las Vegas Fire and Rescue. A three-year-old girl was standing behind the locked security door on the side of the unit, unable to open it. Angulo pulled at the steel door enough to bend it upward. Officials said eventually the deadbolt unlatched and the door opened. The little girl ran to him and wrapped her arms around his waist. Las Vegas Fire uh, and Rescue wrote, Through the thickening smoke, Angelo um, couldn't make out an infant's... Oh, could make out an infant's leg on the floor. He dashed back, pulling a 10-month-old baby out of the burning apartment as well, then moved both children away from the building. Soon after the firefighters arrived, they had the blaze contained. After about 10 minutes, both children were taken to the hospital where they were treated for smoke inhalation. And if it hadn't have been for Anival Angulo, guess what? They wouldn't have made it. He's the hero, according to Las Vegas Fire and Rescue personnel. Um, he said, I just knew I had to get him out, he told the local media. And he did it, willing to risk himself and, uh, you know, That's what makes a hero, my friends. Everybody needs one, and we can be that for each other, not always saving a life like Angelo did, but maybe just being there for each other. And let's do that this season as well as every day. That's the show, my friends. We will be back again tomorrow. BYU Sports Nation is up next.